Merry Christmas, one and all, from everyone here at World One Stage One. What you're about to embark on is the cheerful, bright holiday special you deserve. <laughs> um, it's everything we hope you'll want and more. It's from- definitely something that will creep into your psyche and never leave you alone ever again. Consider like a it's Carol. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, it shows goodwill to all of mankind. Eventually. And don't let Irish go into his attic. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) From all of us here at World 1 Stage 1, to all of you out there in the world, to both of our listeners... Both of them? Both of them. I heard one of them, you know, sadly emigrated. Oh, Oh, I thought you said died. Oh, no, and then died. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just moved to Siberia and didn't have any warm clothing whatsoever. (laughs) Madness. Merry Christmas. And a very happy new year. Let this oh, be our gift to you. Shove it up your stocking and love it. Be nice. I will not. I will never be nice to the Catgirl Nuku Nuku British dub. I didn't realise I was following a blog called Electric Thunder Pussy. <laughs> I don't know if I'm more or less impressed that it's not a porn blog. <laughs> It's not a porn blog. It's not a porn blog. I don't follow any porn blogs. Why? Yeah, not on, not on my normal account. On my porn account, yeah, totally. After all, that's what that's for. Absolutely. Lying. That's what the internet is for. Lying. I'm sick of all the heteronormativity that turns up on my porn dash. Whoa, what the hell happened to your voice? <laughs> That's that only, went full robot. Not, wow. not only did that get really digitized and corrupted, but my god, it sounded threatening as fuck. It sounded like you were talking backwards. It was like awesome. I wish I could do that all the time. Yeah, that was horrifying. <laughs> it, it sounded like it sounded like the from the opening lyrics to some system for down music. Do you know what? Did you actually hear what I was saying? No, because I it would be a weird system of a down song, but I wouldn't put it past them. What were you saying? I said, I'm sick of all the heteronormativity on my porn dash. Huh. Yeah, that does actually totally sound like a System of a Down song. Should we, should we preface this episode with like a spoiler alert? I, we, we could. Yeah. I think it might need it. But, you know, this is a show from the 90s, so... 90s are still living memory, though. Uh, it's not like it's not like ruining King Kong or Lord of the Rings. I suppose not very. Yeah, I think it'd just be polite to say that. Yeah. Be let's be let's be polite. Let's be efficient. We are British after all. Well, most of us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all turn on each other. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Is it? We were eleven. <laughs> anyway. Hello. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sorry, sh- <laughs> everyone's quiet. Be silent.
Hello and welcome to World One Stage One. I am Simon, and joining me, as ever, are Rob. Oh goodness! You did it again, you sly dog. Irish. Yeah. Jack. I'm here. And back with us again, Jenna. The meeting pizza. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! What the hell? You fit right in. Don't worry. We you are had never knowing one job. <laughs> I took a bite before you started introducing us, and then I was like, <laughs> "Shit!" <laughs> so this this show follows nicely from last week's anime show, as we are talking about an anime, uh, and we will be using spoilers throughout. So if you haven't seen the twenty-year-old Neon Genesis Evangelion, please exactly do so. Exactly twenty years old. Uh, well, before that, I got, uh, I got uh, a thing I want to ask about a game. I, I was going to say, however, before yes. we begin, we were talking before we started, and Irish, I believe you wanted to ask some questions. Yes, simple one. Uh, is, has anyone here heard of Who's Your Daddy? The, <laughs> I mean, as a concept, or as a concept, uh, as, a, as a dirty talk statement. I was going to say, with one way, as a as a as a vaguely pompous statement after sinking a basketball. Yeah, uh, as a slogan no, T-shirt. I kind of want to. As a legitimate statement in a Louisiana court, is it just confusion about fatherhood? <laughs> You hear that quite often. God, you guys. Or, or as in the game where you can play either as a new parent who has to baby-proof their house against a toddler who is going to kill itself, or you can play as the baby trying to seek death in a dangerous, in a dangerous environment of the home. There is a game where you are a baby and you die? You, you are actively trying to die as the baby. They have made the game for me. They have made my game. It's like, you know how deep is an asymmetric competitive game between sharks and divers? Oh, that seems, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that seems really unfair, because sharks. <laughs> well, yeah. this is a similar kind of asymmetric gameplay, where one player is the baby, desperately trying to find ways to injure and kill itself, and the other is the parent, desperately trying to prevent this. The way I found hey, as a mother... Did you just say as a mother? Speaking as a mother. Speaking as a mother, we should bomb the shit out of Syria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, this is coming out in a few weeks. We have done. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, guys, I have to say, you're listening to this now. We didn't know World War Three was going to start when we recorded this episode. No. I mean, we, we suspected it, but we didn't know. You know, unless you're listening to this in a couple of years' time, uh, you know, in which case, how did it go? Was, was, it, did it, was it good? Oh. Did, we, did we win? I don't think anyone won. When we went down into the bunkers, <laughs> did the vampires reveal themselves? Yes, of course they did. <laughs> they were there the whole time, right? Yeah. Wait, that's yeah. the out between episodes, and no one's going to understand what the fuck we were talking no, about. No, we, we talked through. about Vampire Hunter D last week. I thought we were talking about that book. No, no, that was a different thing. Okay, cool. There were no bunkers Sorry. in the book. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, the way I found out about this game was on Imager with a gif of, from the baby's point of view, of it getting into the oven <laughs> while the dad was trying to get it back out of the oven. I just, I love, I'm looking at their Steam Greenlight page right now, and there is a shot of the baby lying in a pile of broken glass under a glass <laughs> coffee table, lifeless. 
with just a giant <laughs> caption over the screen, baby wins! <laughs> <laughs> oh my That's god! Amazing. I need to play this game. They've made my dream game! <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. amazing. What I was going to say was, as a mother, I think all babies do any you try to do this anyway. I'm, I'm watching the video and it is the baby desperately crawling <laughs> at the oven. <laughs> it's in the oven. The parent is pulling it out of the oven. <laughs> yeah, oh the bathtub! God. <laughs> oh God, it does, why doesn't it crawl like an actual baby? It's <laughs> like, ah! Oh, that's that's ah! slightly more disgusting than normal oh, babies. Oh, baby's gotten into the cupboard, has found the bleach. Also, that's slightly creepier than the baby in Fallout. Oh, sure. Uh, it's like I said, it's just slightly creepier than most babies. Yeah. It's just the alphabet <laughs> so far, but it's free to play. Oh, sweet. I might have to play so that. Good. I'd be the shittest dad in that, though, because I'd be like, you go for a kid. <laughs> 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 philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like uh, when when Homer paints the uh, the rabbit ears <laughs> on the plug sockets. Yeah, that oh, was scary from putting her fingers in the plug socket. But she's not scared of rabbits. She will be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I just I just can imagine you and Rob playing this. And might I just say as well, uh, Irish? Thank you so yeah. much for giving us the ultimate segue. Because <laughs> speaking of shitty fathering techniques, <laughs> <laughs> nice. and getting your kid killed, one yeah. genre we didn't cover in last week's anime show was the giant robot show, which is odd because it's a real staple of anime. You've got your your gun, uh, Gundams, Gundam. you've yep. got yep. your uh, uh, Macross, Macross. Uh, you've got your giant Robo. You know. Oh. Big robot shows are classic anime, and yeah. and they sort of split wanna. into they sort of split into two because you've got your giant robot shows like your Gundams and all that, which is mostly about sort of military campaigns, and it's a it's a big adventure series um, about fairly realistic. Um, I mean, there's usually the, the one or two bits of sort of higgledy piggledy science fiction bullshit in there. Oh, usually but for the most yeah. part, it's like a hard sci-fi mecha show, and then you've got your super robot shows like your. Um, Voltron and stuff like that, where it's yeah, they shoot through space and combine and fight giant space lizards. Power Rangers, Power Rangers, and, and Voltron and uh, fucking Battle of the Planets and all that sort of stuff. And one of the greatest giant robot shows of all time is Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is amazing because oh wait, no, sorry, it is a giant robot. It show. It is a giant robot show. I've got, I've got, I've got my episodes giant... here. Until we reach episode 16, it is in fact a giant robot show. <laughs> it is a, a, a totally a giant robot show. Oh yes. And I don't know if this is a running joke simply within our friendship circle, but certainly everyone I know who's been introduced to this show has been introduced with the very knowingly said, it's a giant robot show. Not, not only that, but as I introduce, my favourite thing is, as I introduce people to Evangelion, is at certain points in the series, and they come up every now and again. Oh yes, I when, know these points. When the, when the person I'm showing it to turns to me with a look of horror and suspicion across their face, and they look like they're about to ask me a question, I smile and nod and say, it's a giant robot show. And they go, <laughs> but I don't know. It's a giant robot show. 
and just continue smiling. And I think it was uh, something I brought up in the, in the episode beforehand. There was a review of Ava that basically described it as it's a giant robot show in the same way that Twin Peaks is a cop show. <laughs> yes. But you look at it and go, well, yes. Let me put it this way. The biography of the director is broken into uh, largely three sections. Early work, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and subsequent work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like earlier work is what, Nadia? And that's about it. Subsequent work. Yeah. Bless. Uh, I can't remember if Caracano is before or after. Uh, Caracano was afterwards. Looks okay. like after. It looks like before was Nadia, uh, Gunbuster. Oh, God, of course. Oh, yeah. And Gunbuster, the Space origin Force. of. Yeah, Gunbuster was like the origin of the Gynaxing meme. Yeah. The, the jiggly booby meme. Gynax is kind of famous in everything but Ava for having characters that jiggle when they sort of, I don't know, do anything other than stand still. <laughs> it's, it's quite terrifying. Fan service, as we were discussing last week. Oh, yeah, and it gets, it gets ridiculous in later things. Like, for example, Kill the Kill. Well, equally, the history of Gynax is listed as Beginnings, Evangelion, and <laughs> 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> you can also do, like, Hideaki Edo's, like personal life as, like, early life. Ava and post depression. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. This show was defining in its creators' careers. I think that's fair to say. Absolutely. It, in a way that's like both positive and negative. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll go into this because I will, I will go right on record right now as saying Neon Genesis Evangelion is my absolute all time favorite anime. It's like by far and away. But I will absolutely admit its faults, and, and dis we will go into some, some discussion on them. Uh, we won't be going into the movies, because there's just, like, we don't have enough time. Uh, we've only got enough time to talk about the series, just about. Um, so, don't worry about that. But again, I will just point this out. If you have not seen Evangelion, please, for the love of God, like, even if you've listened to nothing I've said before, in which case... I'm sure that most episodes of World on Stage would have been filled with a third of silence. <laughs> Go and watch Neon Genesis Evangelion right now, and then come back to this episode, because I, the spoilers in this are, when you don't see them coming, and a lot of them you won't do, can hit you so fucking hard. Yeah. I'm, so traumatically. I'm actually one of these people who, I don't mind spoilers. Yeah, uh, I I don't avoid them. I, for some things, I actively seek them out. For some things, I find them really rewarding. Uh, I don't believe, for the vast majority of media, that foreknowledge can ruin the experience. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with Jack. I think the best way to do it is like Kotor. Well, I absolutely agree with Jack in that you should watch NG before listening to this episode. I don't agree that it's the best anime. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, it, it, it is very divisive in that sense. But um, I think oh, no, don't get me wrong. I love it. I just love going yeah. to the show more. Yeah, there are, there are people, ones that people will say is better, worse, whatever. Um, if I say, like, KOTOR, knowing the plot twist in Knights of the Old Republic does not ruin that game, does not no. make it not a good game. No, but absolutely. given the choice between playing that game not knowing the spoiler, not knowing the plot twist, and knowing the plot twist ahead of time, which one is going to be that much sweeter? 
Another great example is Usual Suspects. If you know the twist, then you can watch the build-up to it through the film, and it's really interesting. If you don't know the twist... And you can watch the reaction on someone else's face as well. Yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. We've all seen Usual Suspects, haven't we? Uh, Yes, it's fucking awesome. Alex has seen Usual Suspects. Fantastic. Anyway. I haven't either. I haven't. You haven't seen it? So we will not spoil it today. Cool. One I thing I was going to suggest, because um, when uh, Jack introduced me, and again, uh, Jack is my shepherd, I shall not want. But, uh, <laughs> he shall not want a shepherd. <laughs> because um, uh, essentially, uh, yeah, he, he guided me through it. We watched uh, Ava, and Jack sort of told me, uh, and I think this is how we should structure this episode, because I think as we go through... Um, the show mm-hmm. about what transpires in this show as well, what goes down. I think you should also um, sort of label it with what the creator was going through at the time as well. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, I think that's a very important element to this uh, uh, to this show in particular. Uh, and so I found it what, interesting. I was going to say also what ages each of us were when we watched it because I know. Some of us were in our teens, and then, like you, Rob, you're in your 20s, so you're going to have a different first experience to the show than we did. Oh, yeah, yeah no, I was quite um, late on when I first saw it, because, uh, well, you know exactly when I saw it, Jenna, you lent it to me. Yeah. yeah. The Platinum Discs, I think, as well. It was, yeah. yeah. I mean- You'd have, to be, you'd have to be some kind of monster to show that to a young person. <laughs> <Wouldn't you? laughs> How old were you when you watched Ava? Uh, Twelve. <laughs> oh, God! You were younger than the fucking pilot. I was going to say, aren't the kids 14? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh my and it's, god! And it's all this stuff is too horrible to happen to them. Yeah, basically, you can kind of blame Alex. Yay! <laughs> you can blame our studio audience <laughs> on, on behalf of his uncle. Because <laughs> basically, uh, being Alex, you know, we've known each other since we were kids. And one time I went over to his place, which is grandma's place. Uh, he was like, oh, do you want to see this show that my uncle's got? And I'm like, okay. And he brought down a VHS, borrowed it, and we watched, it was like episodes, what, seven and eight? Was it Malt? So, so, Oscar episode. The Oscar episodes, yeah. yeah. So there's a lava, lava one and stuff. Oh, uh, Magma Diver is like nine. Magma Diver, yeah. So uh, eight and nine. Is it 10? Uh, Asuka starts at 8, and then there's the Magma Both 10. of You Dance Like You Want to Win is number 9, oh. and then Magma Diver is number 10. All right, well, it was, yeah, it was like that bit there. And I was like, that was pretty, <clears throat> that was pretty cool. You know, any chance that I can get a copy, sort of thing. And we talked talk, talk to his uncle, convinced him, and yeah, he copied it onto VHS for me to go home and watch it. And periodically, I'd get the next sort of batch sort of thing. But and it's always free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Supplying to the 12 year old Irish. I literally got obsessed with it. Like, you know, you watching it all. Addicted. addicted, yes. I, you know, I was watching it every day and thinking about it at school. And it literally was. 
like affecting me on a psychological level. I was like, holy fuck, I need, in the end, I was like, right, I got to, I've got to do something about this. So I literally put all the videos I had and like anything, because I, I was collecting like American gaming magazines as well. And it had, some of them had bits about the Ava games in there. <coughs> so I literally put anything I had Ava related into a box, taped up the box, and stuck it in the attic. <laughs> I, I was. Oh my god! I, I thought this story was going to be silly. That's that's actually quite. That's actually quite right. interesting. The thing is, though, um, <laughs> so I watched I watched the series up to episode twenty-four. Well, no, no, I watched the series. Yeah, no, it was up to episode twenty-four. Yeah, in English. Then I had episodes twenty-five and twenty-six. Yeah, in Japanese with English subtitles. Cool. Then I had the movie in Japanese. And Chinese subtitles. Oh, man, so it's a good thing you can read Mandarin. I, I know, right? <laughs> I don't want us to skirt over the fact that Irish at age 12 had this Ark of the Covenant <laughs> over Ava that he literally had to tape up and put in the attic for fear of his eyes melting out of his head or something. That is pretty I amazing. I love it I like so much. Of, I like to think of it more as like a train spotting thing. Yeah. He's got a put in a box. And then he's there shivering in the shower. Turkey from it. I literally could not stop watching it. It was literally affecting my everyday life. I was like, I was thinking about it all the time, and <laughs> yeah, I was, it was like it was crazy because we're laughing. <laughs> we do love you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not taking. No, I think it's beautiful. But in 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 the in the time after putting it into the attic. I then went to the London Anime Club. Alex took me to the London Anime Club and I got to see stuff like Helsing and you know, I saw more anime. I yeah. got started collecting manga and all that. I it was doing much- well until someone mentioned Ava and you're like, no! <laughs> and you start having flashbacks <laughs> to the attic. <laughs> and then, and then um, you know, I, I broadened my horizons and it got, I, you know, I saw stuff that was, you know, like worse, maybe comments than like the effect that Ava had on me, sort of thing. But I got, you know, I was able to get o- get over it. And then, I don't know, six to nine months later, I was uh, at home and I was like, "Oh yeah, I got that. I got Ava in the attic." So are you saying, Irish, that Ava was your gateway anime? <laughs> Fuck yeah, <laughs> proper, proper full on anime. Yeah, I'm just. I'm now imagining. You know what? This, this wonderful image. Like, if we're going to make a biopic of Irish's life, so right. knowing, knowing I, what anime was, that was, you know, when, when that I, was it. When no, I write, absolutely. I hope you don't mind this, Irish. But when I write the biopic of your life, yeah. it's going to be this shot, right, where 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 the young you goes up the attic into the goes up the ladder into the attic, right, with a, with a little, this, a little torch. This, this is this the. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, 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 no. It's better. You you open up the little hatch, go into the attic. You shine your torch around. Your torch like <laughs> yeah. falls on on the the, the taped up box, yeah. and you silently repeat to yourself, "I mustn't run away. I mustn't <laughs> run away. I mustn't <laughs> run away." <laughs> and then when I get when I bring the box downstairs into my room and I put the video in, I'll just go get in the fucking room. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Yeah. So, so we've already yeah. touched on like two little memes there. I mean, the way it's I true. came into this it's show true. was rather different. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I went, 
for. Uh, oh. Let me just let me just say this. Absolutely. If you any listeners, if you are an anime fan and you want to bring some like family, young family members that in that are you know just getting into it, who've been watching the, like Pokemon all that on TV. Don't show them this show. <laughs> this is a bad gateway show. It's a on bad gateway. Hand, on the other <laughs> hand, show them this show. Eventually. Show them something. Show them. Build them up. You Let's know. Put them on something the soft up. first. It's like weight training. <laughs> just overwhelm them. Well, I'm thinking, yeah. show them something soft first, you know, like weed. And yeah, then you need to build <laughs> up a tolerance before you throw this at someone. My God. I'm 12. Like, My mind wasn't ready for this. I had just started secondary school. You know? It, 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 was, it, was, it was like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck just happened to me? You were just thrown into the deep end, your head held up, held under the neon <laughs> Genesis Methangelion fucking... I love- <laughs> Jack? Yeah? As of both of you... Yeah? I'm just worried now that because you know the story about my husband... Mm-hmm. That you're gonna somehow take my daughter and make her watch it <laughs> at a very young age. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. No. <laughs> Absolutely. Formative but, experience. Or alternatively, yeah, I'll get confused and I'll just put Evie in a box and tape it up and put it in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> no! no! <laughs> Why are you gasping? Is that too far? <laughs> <laughs> I think I avoided this show for the first three decades of my life. I, I'm thinking about it. It must have been within the last five years that I've seen it. So I was in my 30s. And yeah, I, I, I kind of, I was aware of it. I'd never seen an episode. But it's very hard to be an active presence on the internet and not know it exists. Yes. So going into this show, I knew it was a giant robot show. It is. I also knew it's a giant robot show. Smile, smile, wink. Smile, smile, wink, wink. I knew it had a blue-haired Moe girl in it. Yep. I knew it had uh, a sci-fi penguin in it. <gasps> oh, penguin. Oh, my God. I have a thing about the penguin. I fucking love that penguin. <laughs> not, not, not that kind of thing. No, not no, that kind of like, Oh, God. <laughs> No, I, oh man, yeah, I did have a thing for the penguin. No, um, I kept forgetting every episode. I would forget, and there'd be a penguin again, and it would always like maybe double take. And it's not like I mean, occasionally you'll see pen pen pattering off in the in the background, but occasionally there'll be a bit where someone opens a door and there's pen pen going and just like flapping his wings. Yeah, and he's just there, and I remember there's a penguin in the show again. It's like you and Catface, Simon. Yes. It's very similar. Catface. <laughs> well, it's more oh like me God, and Face. I about that. I'll show, I'm going to show. I'll show you Catface afterwards. Uh, Catface is the one that startled me. Yes. Um, so yeah, I knew it had a blue-haired Moe girl in it. I knew it had a uh, sci-fi penguin in it. I knew it had. And now this is where I'm going to go out on shaky ground for me. Uh, okay. I knew it had a red-haired thunder girl in it. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, she's she's hella okay. I was just checking I had my right terminology there. Mm. And so is Ray to a certain degree, but yeah. And I what does that mean? Some AMVs. Uh Sundere. Um it's really difficult to explain because it is a very bizarrely sort of Japanese pop culture phenomenon. Um essentially it is a sort of personality archetype that certain characters fall into. Usually, usually 
in this regard, a, a young female character. Not always, by no means, like, you know, exclusively. Um, but the idea is, it is a character who is really bad at externalizing their feelings. So the way they do it is to push everyone away. Okay. So it, if they really like someone, mm. they will usually berate and antagonize that person. Yeah. Okay. The, the quote is usually, but backer, it's not like I like you or anything. Okay, thank you. Sorry, so, Simon. In, in the context of this show, Oscar. Oscar is very much just under air. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Basically, it's someone who's initially cold or even hostile towards another person before gradually showing their warm side yeah. over time. Except okay. Asuka never does. <laughs> Which is why she was my favourite character. Yeah, she is awesome. I hated her when I first watched Ava, and she is rapidly becoming one of my favourite characters. Mine. She's totally my favourite. I, yeah. I really like her. So, I, and I'd seen some AMVs, which I'm surprised we didn't talk about last week, but the, yeah. the phenomenon of the anime music video, which is where fans take sequences from anime and recut it to songs. And it, by far my favourite Neon Genesis one is Engel. Oh, Rammstein. It's so, the, the lip syncing, the dubbing is just wonderful. It's it's uh, Engel by Rammstein set to Ava. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, I was actually thinking of I, I, I can't remember if it was Ava or Gundam, but it was uh, La Resistance from South Park oh, the movie. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. It's so good. That's so old as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like, it's I right from when that film first. That came was out. like the beginning of fucking YouTube. My yeah. God. What I didn't know was what I didn't know was how smart a choice Engel was. Um, <laughs> then I watched the show, and then I sat there and felt hollow inside. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in a good way. Yeah. Yes. It's I. It's it is a brilliant show. Uh, but yeah, it was not what I was expecting. It it'll yeah it's it's a giant robot show, <laughs> and I think now would be the perfect time to actually do a bit of a rundown. Should we, should we go? Through I the think show? we should go through because obviously we've been talking about it for quite some time, and we've literally not really. And to be fair, we've not actually spoiled anything. Yeah, we spoiled anything. <laughs> Are we going to talk about it in episode order or in a chronological order of how things happen? It's mentioned that because I have here my notes and it goes down in episode order, but branching off from each episode to talk about the themes and characters and whatnot that come up in each one. <laughs> but don't worry, we're not going to be going on for this for hours and hours and hours. Do not worry. Um, no, we're not because I, I have to get to bed at some point. Yes, as well, I say I do, but fuck work. Um, right, so. Uh, there's, a, there's a quote I wanted to, to read out at the beginning, which we were talking about earlier about the whole sort of knowing where everyone's minds were at when the series started. Um, and it's Kazuya Tsurumaki, who was one of the um, episode directors for Ava, um, talking about how about halfway through the series, like the money got really, really tight and everyone was getting super stressed out. And Hideaki Anno, the, the director, was really battling his own personal demons with his very, very, very severe depression. Uh, and everyone was working incredibly tight shifts and having breakdowns everywhere. And uh, <coughs> Kazuya Surimaki said of this, this is a direct quote, I didn't mind it. The schedule was an utter disaster and the number of cells plummeted, so there were some places where, unfortunately, the quality suffered. However, the tension of the staff as we all became more desperate and frenzied certainly showed up in the film. About the time that the production system was completely falling apart, there were some opinions to the fact that 
If we can't do satisfactory work, then what is the point of continuing? However, I didn't feel that way. My opinion was, why don't we show them the entire process, including our breakdown? So when you watch Ava, when you get about halfway, well, two thirds of the way through Ava, you are watching an anime production company falling apart and having a mental breakdown. And it is glorious. I think it's, it's really interesting. It's allowing, it is the old, um, the old saying of allowing uh, life to fuel art, oh, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Uh, and, that, and, and to be fair, like, I mean, if I'd watched it and um, uh, I didn't know that, I probably wouldn't have guessed that that was happening. I mean, obviously, by the end, it turns into a huge existential kind of question mark at the end, mm. really, isn't it? Um, and also but, um, a very cheap production. Yeah, of course. Uh, yes. But out of adversity, you know, art flourishes. And, and this, this is, is no exception. This is actually one of my, one of my gripes with Ava. Le- less a gripe with Ava and more a gripe with Gainax is that basically Ava did really, really well because they ran out of money and had to do all these very clever tricks. And by clever tricks, I mean like these long, long-held shots where mm-hmm. nothing happens and yeah. there's dialogue over the top of it. And everything's very cheap to the point, very deep philosophically. It's all about character introspection. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very good. Ava, it works perfectly for Ava. But, and everyone loved Ava. Well, not everyone, but, you know, Ava did really, really well. And it's clever for that, sorry, because you have introspection, which shows flashbacks so you can reuse footage. Exactly. Well. So that's quite clever. However, since then, Gainax has gone, hmm, Ava did really, really well. Mm-hmm. And it was quite cheap to make. So, why don't, and they basically just use the same concept, that it's the Gainax theme, the Gainax ending, where everything becomes really cheap. Um, line art or long-held shots and all taking place inside a character's mind with internal monologue. Or like the end of the Holy Grail where they all get arrested because they run out of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it, it happens in everything. Like the ending of fucking Gurren Lagan is just awful. Um, and it just, it, it, it sort of spoils it a little bit mm. in that Ava yeah. worked because it was a product of circumstance yeah but trying to make it happen again because it works that one time really feels hollow and it, it's yeah the guy next ending and other other companies have sort of done the same thing where they go oh we can be deep and meaningful by having slow shots and internal monologue it's like trying to manufacture it yeah you, yeah it, it can work it absolutely can work but if you really try and go for it it just comes off as really 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 pretentious and that's coming from a guy who fucking loves the path you know, so <laughs> it's We're still I, waiting. I still had to put that in there somewhere. It's still waiting. Um, interestingly, Ava sort of kicked off as a series where Anno, want, Anno Hideaki wanted to um, really mess up with the idea of giant robot shows and super robot shows. Um, and he so- also wanted to base it a lot off the um, Power Rangers Sentai shows. <laughs> Yeah, the um, angels were supposed to be some of them anyway. Were supposed to be kind of the people rubber suits. Yeah, the rubber suit monsters because they have this sort of giant otherworldly but quite bulky quality to them, and then they just get really fucking weird after a while. But we don't know what they are yet. Yes, yes. Um, The thing is that basically, and it it enters it uh, tackles a lot of really good questions that came up with a lot of giant robot shows, which is why are all the pilots the same age? Because that doesn't really get answered in a lot of giant robots. I think Gundam Wing was airing at about... It was in the same year. I think it was a little bit earlier in the year. And it's a really good example to go to, is that all the, characters, all the, the pilots in Gundam Wing are like teenage boys. 
Why? Uh, I mean, if you're watching it to begin with, there's like not really any reason given. They just all happen to have their own giant robot and they all have their own causes. Is that all because, is that uh, out of show? Is that because of the demographic they're trying to appeal to? I mean, yeah. Very uh, much. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's the reason the Power Rangers are all the same age. Yeah, you know? it's, exactly. Yeah, Teenagers, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. but go on. Um, but it um, sort of looks at why Robert. would they be a bunch of, why, why would these kids all be the same age and be pilots? And then you start seeing that they're all born of a particular in a particular time period to particular parents who may or may not have been linked certain ways to the Ava project. Yeah. So there is a reason they are all the same, they're why they are all teenagers. Mm. And um, they also looked into things like, in a lot of 80s ones in particular, there was this idea that you have to be oh, in sync with your robot. Like, if you're not in the right mental state, yeah. then your robot just won't work. And they were like, a lot of people then just went, like, you know, the, the smart fans and stuff just go, I mean, it's just a vehicle. It's just a weapon. And Oscar, I think, actually has lines like, it's just a doll. It's just a tool. What does it matter what our sync ratio is? And they said, well, why is that? Let's think of a reason for that to be the case. Mm-hmm. And throws it in. And the, other, the, the, the final one is just to go, it, essentially, it's quite a grim one, which I didn't think about until looking at a lot of, a lot of essays about Ava, which is Anno basically looking at giant robot shows where the protagonists are all young, like, you know, teenagers, maybe like 13, 14 a lot of the time, going off and fighting in these big intergalactic battles and going, you realize these are shows about child soldiers, right? Hmm. Yeah. And we go, oh, fuck, yeah, you're right. Mm. So you're just selling a lot of merchandise about child soldiers. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because it, I mean, from, and it, and it totally is this, it is very much a coming of age story. Oh, yeah. Like, it's about, it's about when, when, when a child begins to learn hard truths. Yeah. I think that's a running theme of this show. Even um, with a character like Shinji who has had some pretty shitty hard so, truths. Exactly. So it has that. Yeah. yeah. It has that. But at the same time, there's also the, the hard realities that perhaps even at that age you shouldn't be facing. Yeah. And then you realise all of a sudden, all right, this was a coming of age story, but now partly, it's gone too far. Partly, partly <laughs> because Shinji is... He sort of starts off being a stand-in, and this is Anno Hideaki's own words, that he was sort of a stand-in for um, the stereotypical social misfit. Yeah. He's kind of there to be made fun of a little bit. Mm. He's useless and everything. And as it goes on, he becomes more and more a stand-in for Anno himself, mm. because it's a show about overcoming... It basically, it, it will, will, in a big summary, I mean, we will go into all of it in detail, but in a big summary, Ava is about having to make the choice between either running away from the world and all it's hurt, mm-hmm. or accepting that you are flawed, accepting that there are problems with you, but trusting that people will accept you anyway, and that the world is going to hurt you, you're going to get hurt. The hedgehog's dilemma. The hedgehog's dilemma, that the more you, you go towards it, the more you'll get hurt. And accepting that, and you've got to make that choice about accepting the hard truth and being hurt, or running away and never experiencing it. Mm. And it's a fucking horrible choice to make. And a lot of people, you know, will go with one way, a lot of people will go the other. And it was sort of Anno's way of going, well, I need to make this choice myself because he was, again, battling with some very sort of severe problems at the time. Um, And I think it's never sort of, I mean, once or twice, it's very, very deeply hinted at, but it's never outwardly stated about um, suicide. Mm. Um, There's a lot of talk of running away. Mm. And wondering where will I go? And not fighting anymore. Yeah, not yeah. Fighting, giving up and yeah. that sort of stuff. But well, it's, never, it's never outwardly said. The real parallel for what's going on with the studio, to me, 
is mm. actually what happens to Asuka towards the end. Yes, yeah. uh, with Ariel. Uh, I'm going to have a big section on that because that is that is one of the most unsettling things to watch. Yeah. Um, especially on like a second or third run through because there's a, there's a section where it's all like words jumping up on the screen to give you like a, because it, it, obviously it's, it's a mental attack from an angel. Um, and the, the, the way they do that is with a visual rep- representation of literally just flinging words up on the screen. So yeah, it's, there's something very, very unsettling about having, a, you know, this, your, your lead female character who is, you know, full of bravado and swagger and I can do it. I'm the best. Mm-hmm. Shrieking and crying whilst the words like penetrate and mm-hmm. and no and all this sort of stuff keep jumping up mm-hmm. on the screen. And, she's just, and like, to take our first dip towards spoiler territory, the fact that she loses and then she mm-hmm. loses herself, and you know you see her going from defeat to depression to catatonia to completely giving up. One of the, the last things we see of her in the series, or it might possibly be in one of the movies, is her just sort of lying in a bathtub. Yeah. In the, like in a ruined building. It's just her lying in a bathtub full of rust. Well, it's a reddish-brown water. We don't know whether it's like rusty water, whether she's attempted suicide. She's just sitting in there, and she's all emaciated. She's been there for days. It's, yeah, it's really, really, really fucked up. But anyway, this is a giant robot show. But it's a giant robot show, Jack. Um, Um, I know we're not going to mention the movies, but then you go from that sort of scene to the joyful scene in uh, End of Ava to then the most horrible death scene possible. It is. But we'll get there. The most beautiful bits of violence put to film. Um, Yes. uh, Ava, it aired between October 1995 and March 1996 in Japan. I think it waits until 2003 to make it across to America. Which another, is another of its strengths because it's incredibly TV. concise in its storytelling. Yes. Continue. Um, so it, it got done within the space of, you know, it's one anime season. It's one series, mm-hmm. one movie. Yeah. Yeah. To, you know, technically two, but yeah. Um, so to give people a rundown of the plot, in the year 2000, if you all remember this crazy thing, <laughs> uh, Second Impact happened, where a... I'll, I'll go with the, 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 the official government story. Yeah. Uh, a meteorite, uh, the size of... Oh, it doesn't... It gives you an exact size, because it's quite a funny thing, is that the size they give you, people did the calculations... Is it the size of Belgium? No, 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 it's quite small. Mm-hmm. They go, a, a meteor the size of this crashes into the Earth and basically obliterates... Um, it obliterates a third of the world's population, um, tilts the axis of the Earth, knocks its orbit slightly, so we're in a constant summer. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's a massive, massive global heat wave. Uh, resources get fucked up. Uh, humanity goes to war, so another third of the population dies out. We're now down to just a Essentially, the Earth is now working on a skeleton crew. Yeah, and uh, the second impact comet was supposed to be about ten centimeters across. About ten centimeters. Across. Some people, some people did. Ah. Yeah, some people did the maths on this. Some smart folks did the maths and went, "That wouldn't have done all that much no. damage." Well, yeah. no, this is the thing. It yeah. was also traveling at 0.95 the speed of light, according to the official story. And yeah. what does the damage with an impact isn't the size of the mass; it's what's known as kinetic transfer. It's the fact that all the it's energy used to propel the meteorite has to transfer into the Earth as the Earth stops it. Yeah. Now, 
that either works with a massive body that can be traveling at quite low speeds because yeah. the potential energy of such a vast weight is huge. Yeah. But if you've got something small traveling at 0.95c at you know, nearly the speed of light, mm. the energy required to propel any mass to that speed is enormous. If anything, it should have shattered the Earth in two. That was the thing. They were looking at it going, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. This, this wouldn't have done that. And then someone else went, yeah. It's almost like Seeley and the United Nations and Nerve put out a bullshit story. Yeah, mm. almost. And as you find out, oh wait, yeah, shit, they did. So it's similar actual, to another in of my favourite in-universe bullshit stories, which is Starship Troopers, that the bugs threw a rock at us from their part of space. The yeah. actual calculations of which are astronomically complicated, and it's more likely <laughs> a rock hit us and it was an excuse to go to war. They yeah. knew what they were doing. Yep. Um, the uh, so yeah, the actual in actuality, basically in Antarctica. Hello, hello. Hi. Oh, sorry. Uh, in actuality, uh, in Antarctica, sea uh, lay, uh, which is uh, it's German for soul, uh, is this sort of secret conspiracy that's been around for X number of years, um, and they were working on cloning the what they call the first human, Adam. They, they found evidence of this, this proto-human and are cloning it. And something went wrong and, you know, the explosion that obliterated a third. The explosion that obliterated a third of the human population, that actually happened. You know, that, you know it was just the comet was bullshit. Um, and it's called second impact. The first impact being the, the, the meteor that wiped out the dinosaurs. Or so I'm led to believe, anyway. Hmm. Um, maybe that was also a giant angel. You never know. So, angels! That's a thing. Um, we flash forward to uh, 2015, 15 years after Second Impact. Everything's mm, sort of getting back on track, more or less. Um, as we see Shinji arriving in the city of Tokyo 3. Now, this confused the crap out of me because I thought, oh, is it the third Tokyo after Tokyo's you know, burned down, been rebuilt, burned down, re been rebuilt? And I've done some reading about it, and apparently, no. In Ava, there are three Tokyos. Yep. They have redundant Tokyos <laughs> in case one gets flattened by a monster or blown up by a nuke. Um, so they have redundant Tokyos. And so you, they are in the third one. They are in Tokyo 3. Well, I mean, the original Tokyo was destroyed, wasn't it? And then they built two to replace it. Yeah, so Tokyo yeah. 1 is basically ruins. Yeah. Tokyo 2 and 3 work. I think Tokyo 2 is like all power plants and shit like that. Um, but Tokyo 3 is where all these... It, it's very much... Uh, it is a, I think it's actually based on an actual city in Japan that isn't Tokyo. Um, but it has this wonderful defense measure in case of attack where all the city buildings will fall into the ground and be sort of uh, be held in little caskets. So essentially they all have their own little coffins. Um, and we see a young man by the name of Shinji Ikari turning up in the city alone just as a giant fucking monster attacks. Mm. And do they have sirens? They have sirens for when they're approaching. Oh, yeah. The, well, there's a, little, there's a little tower thing saying, please um, approach a fallout shelter yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah. And there's this... Yeah. Indoors. <laughs> it's, like, it, it's very clear that this is a planet under siege. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of the show exploring the themes of giant robot shows, like before we get into all the metaphysics and philosophy of it, what I really, really gave it credit for in the first few episodes, where it is 
a fairly by-the-numbers giant robot show monster oh, yeah. of the week show is that it explored the question of, wouldn't these things cost a hell of a lot of money? Yep. And unlike, you know, you look at your uh, Gundams or whatever, this isn't a show where they've built giant robots because they could and it was cool. This mm. is where they've built giant robots and underground geofront cities because they pretty much got to. Yep. This is the last roll of the dice for humanity. That's why they've built these things. And yeah, they cost a hell of a lot of money. And some people I, don't like that they cost a lot of money. Well, the thing is, there is there is a throwaway line that like the 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 repair costs of Ava Unit One alone could bankrupt a small nation. So yeah, G- G- Nerve is being funded through several dummy organizations by the United Nations. Uh, um, I was going to say, there's a show that deals with that directly called Die Guard. Die Guard. I, I was going <laughs> to mention Die Guard uh, at some point because it follows very very similar the same plot as Ava up to a point. Um, Diagon and then one. it's just ridiculous. I, I will see, we'll, we'll jump into that. Just, just, we'll, get, we'll have some happy before we jump into the sad. Diagon is basically giant monsters attacked, so humanity built a giant robot to fight them off, and we finished building the giant robot, and then the alien monster things fucked off. And it went to the cheapest contractor well, as well. Then humanity went, yay! Oh fuck, we've got a giant robot that costs a shitload of money to maintain. Oh, what do we do with it? And then they've sort of not enough like yeah. common space in the world. Who, 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 who will who will like oh, you know be, do it for the cheapest? Who will look after it for like the amount that's going to cost us the least amount? So this insurance company, I think it is, basically buys it as a mascot. Uh, no, um, they are the company that created it, and okay. it's just given to the PR department. <laughs> yeah, so it basically sits outside their offices as a giant mascot. And they go, yay, we've got our giant robot. After all, like, the paperwork's been signed. It is officially their giant robot mascot. Then the giant alien monsters come back. And so they pick out pilots and you have office workers saving the world, where half an episode is the giant robot crew beating the shit out of a monster by caving in its skull with the mayor's car. And then <laughs> the first half of the next episode is them arguing about who has to fill in the liability forms for caving in the uh, monster's skull with the mayor's car. And it's all about red tape. And I have actually seen the first few episodes of that one because the premise the sounded so wonderful. <laughs> and it, it, it involves my favourite ever line of any dubbed anime ever. Which is one, one character looking over another's shoulder as he's filling in some paperwork and going, hey, you missed out the bit where you went crazy. And he just looks at him and says, I did not go crazy. I simply adopted an aggressive stance regarding my giant robot feet. <laughs> and it's just, it's always been one of my favorite lines. But, but anyway, so anyway, um, I was going to say, with, oh. and, I was going uh, to say quickly with the pilots. The only reason that they're pilots is because they've decided to take on the role because they're just getting a little bit of extra money in their paychecks each month. Oh, uh, yes. It's, it's because there's going to be no worry. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry. Um, Shinji steps on the streets to Tokyo 3, having sort of newly come to town, and then Satchiel appears. Um, the, the angel of... Satchiel is the... No, it's the angel of... It's not the angel of water. Doesn't really matter. Um, doesn't really say that. No. Uh, but yeah, uh, I believe it's the the angel of water or rain or something like that. And 
It is this giant, horrifying bird hockey mask monster. Mm-hmm. And it's the size of a skyscraper. And the first thing he sees it do is just slap a, helic- uh, a VTOL plane out of the air. It is the Angel uh, of Water. Angel of Water, thank you very much. And it just marches through the city, destroying everything in its wake, see- seemingly on a singular purpose, going towards a particular area. The army blast it with tanks and an, uh, an N2 bomb, which is... I think it's nuclear too, but it hasn't. It's a non-nuclear. That's it. Non-nuclear. Yeah. There we go. That's what the N two stands for. Non-nuclear. Mm-hmm. They very specifically wanted to. They keep mentioning it's non-nuclear. We are not nuclear bombing sections of Japan. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's a sci-fi uh, high-yield missile that does not have fallout or any nuclear capacity, but is bigger than a nuclear bomb. Um. And it basically does nothing. This this uh, this giant monster is on an unstoppable warpath, and nothing can stop it. And it almost kills Shinji by like blasting him with lasers. Not not aiming for him. He just sort of is collateral because he is a tiny, tiny, tiny human teenager in a city full of explodable buildings. Um, he is saved by uh, oh, captain at this point, Captain Misato Katsuragi, absolutely friggin' awesome character who is yeah. the, the, the woman who is meant to be meeting him. She, she rescues him, takes him into an underground facility. Uh, the, the geo, well, not the geofront, but takes him down to, to Nerve headquarters. Uh, we see the, the, the Nerve logo, which is the fig leaf, and the, the, the quote, uh, God is in his heaven, all's right with the world, which is very poignant and, and wonderful. Um, and he's taken down, explain, you get sort of back and forth that his dad runs Nerve and he's been requested to come. And he hasn't, he hasn't seen his dad in I think it's like seven years at this point. His dad basically went, yeah, I don't really get along with you. Uh, I'm going to make you go live with your teacher. Because Gendo is a fucking class act father is what he is. And, and Shinji's uh, mother died uh, a number of years previously when he was still a baby. Um, and he's taken down into the, into the base. He is shown a giant-ass robot, like the size of the angel that he's just seen, and meets his father for the first time in years. And they have a, a wonderful, warm hug and, and father-son <laughs> uh, reunion, by which I mean Gendo basically says, Shinji, get in the fucking robot. He, he says, right, that's it, you've got, you've got your job. Get in that robot, go and fight the angel. But, but Dad! It's like... Yeah, haven't seen this guy for years, and then your dad brings you into the city, puts you in mortal danger, and then says, get in the robot, go and fight that giant monster. Do it now. And Shinji says, no! Are you mad? And Shinji gets a lot of flack for being a coward, but I think in any situation, like whether you were 14 or not, if that was you, Mm. what would you say? You'd be scared just to drive it, let alone fight something. I'd be scared being in the fucking room with it. Yeah. Even not knowing what it is. Um, and Shinji says no, and they say, right, fine, we'll use the backup pilot. And you see the backup pilot, who is a woman with, well, it's, it's a 14-year-old girl mm-hmm. with one eye and one barely working arm. She's had all her limbs fucking smashed, and she's coughing up blood, and she's got a major concussion. She seems to have taken quite a bit yeah. of a, a she's got, she's, yeah. she's got maybe, like, one good rib left in yeah, her. Yeah, perhaps. And Shinji... 
ponders maybe a little bit too long over whether he or she should pilot the giant robot. Yeah. Before deciding, fine, I will go and pilot the giant robot. It's like every second you stand here pondering, like another building. Well, is he coming he, down. he he catches her as she falls off her gurney, and then realizes he's just got blood smeared all over his hand, and yeah. says, like, "I mustn't run away. I mustn't run away. I mustn't run away." Yeah. He gets in the giant robot. He goes off to fight the the, the monster. Worth pointing out, these giant monsters are called angels. 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 But these ain't. No, these ain't no angels. These are much more like no. your sort of original biblical descriptions of yeah. angels. Horrifying. Yeah. Eels and eyes and fire and shit like that. Um, destruction. A, a really, really interesting thing I want to point out as well, like from a linguistic thing, mm. is the Japanese word angels Gone. in Ava. Because mm. the Japanese word angel is tenshi, mm. which, which is messenger of heaven. Mm-hmm. Ten, heaven, shi, messenger. Mm. The word they use in Ava is not tenshi. Yeah. They use shito. And shito is one who bears a message. The, the, yeah. like, the closest equivalent would be the apostle. Hmm. It's also interesting to note that shito, so pretty much almost exactly the same word, is another word for human. So uh, already we're like, what a weird fucking naming convention for these giant bird hockey mask monsters. Hmm. Anyway, <coughs> Shinji gets in the giant robot, is catapulted out onto the city streets, and as in all anime with a giant robot, the young pilot who's never had any training in his life is instantly, absolutely amazing at piloting the giant. He falls flat on his fucking ass. And not only that, but there is tension building because Avas can only operate for a certain amount of time. They are plugged in. They're, they're, they're plugged into the mains. They're literally plugged into the mains. And that is another thing that costs so much about them. Yep. Like, it's not just repairing them, it's just the sheer amount of power. Yep. And my, my probably my favourite episode, one of them, is the, how they have to power up one of them. If you yes, remember. the way they drain all, all the power from the to fuel something else. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Basically, yeah, like they, they're powered by the mains. And if their um, power supply is uh, interrupted, then they've got a maximum five minute um, lifespan, battery life. But it, it sort of works at the speed of plot. Sometimes it's a bit less, sometimes it's a bit more. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and, it's, yeah. and it's another thing of like looking at giant robot shows and specifically things like uh, Power Rangers and all that, which is, mm. why do they always fight in this one area? Yeah. Like, why not just grab the monster, take it out, take of, it out of like Get it out of the city. thing and, and, you know, go somewhere safe with it. It's like, no, they literally... They're tethered power- to the city. Yeah, they, they yeah. have to stay where the power supplies yeah. are. So I was like, yeah, that's really smart. I like yeah. that. They've got a battery life. And you know what? That is a... 130 foot tall robot. It's not going to have a very long battery life. No. Um, um, I was going to say, also, the angels have a reason for why they're going to that area. Yes, we don't know this at the moment, but they do seem to really like attacking Tokyo oh, 3. They love they? It. Oh, they love it. Oh, they love it. Oh, it's a hobby. I reckon it's chick- Tokyo 3 catnip for angels. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> they're all about it. They, 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 they come for the girls, they come for the tequila. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, that gives us. Uh, so he goes off and fights it. Falls flat on his ass. Gets up and they're like, "Yeah, he's going to kick this angel's ass. It's going to be the, the combat." He, it stabs him oh in the face. God, it rips out. Murderizing it rips him. out AV Unit One's eye. AV Unit One being his giant robot. This giant strange robot. liquids going it everywhere. Doesn't, it doesn't. He doesn't rip it out. He just stabs it. Sees it so hard. It, it goes know, in. Goes, mushes it. Yeah, it goes in the eye and comes out the back of the skull. Um, and it's at this point that Shinji starts freaking out and you realize that the way the piloting works is that you are in sync psychologically with your, your giant robot. 
physically. And it works so, both ways. So whilst you're controlling it to move with your will, with your thoughts, with your feelings, it goes both ways. Everything it feels, you feel. Mm-hmm. It's the, the liquid. It uh, transfers nerve connections, doesn't it? Well, that's what they, that's what they say. It helps. It helps. Conduct. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a conductive liquid that they've developed underneath nerve and they totally invented it and it's not some giant marshmallow monstrosity. Yeah, it's a detail actually that we should probably touch on is how they are put into the robot because this isn't you know, one of your happy shows where there's a cockpit and you jump in and you buckle up. Well, it kind of is. Entry plug. They're putting the entry plug. They are putting little liquid-filled coffins and then inserted into the Avas. Spines. It's amniotic (laughs) fluid. And you are, yeah, inserted into the spine of the Ava and then it all kicks up and you've got this full 360-degree view and these little, these little, uh, like, I don't know what they're like, sort of sci-fi spaceship joysticks that that pretty much just seem to be there so that when the Ava unit powers down and freaks out, the character can tug on them furiously while screaming and doing nothing. Take a drink every time that happens in the series. It's it's very weird. Um, We do not in any way encourage the Ava drinking game. There are many Ava drinking games. Many. And the episode ends... Uh, yeah, the episode ends with uh, basically Chidi getting his ass kicked by Satchio. It's like, yeah. And it's like, oh, wait a second, we just put a 14 year old in a giant robot and yeah. expected him to fight this thing, you fucking morons. And the, yeah, and the episode ends. Episode two opens with Shinji in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, it's like the next day. <laughs> and it's really weird because you don't see the, you don't see the giant fight. It's just like Shinji goes to fight the angel, gets his eye stabbed. Has a bit of a wobbly and a freak out. Next day, he's in hospital. Exactly, because you see the freak out, yeah. but you don't see the giant robot fight. What could that possibly mean? And so the rest of that episode is told in flashbacks, as basically Shinji lost complete control of his AV unit. Mm. And it powered down, it lost connection to the, you know, it ran out of battery, it was mm. completely shut off. Yeah. And then it kept going. It was a Christmas miracle. Yeah, it was a Christmas miracle where it leapt through the air and someone pointed this out, that AV Unit 1 got stabbed in the eye, so it had an eye removed and then it leapt through the air and we realised that it was a one-horned, one-eyed, flying purple people eater. <laughs> <laughs> um, and crashes into Satchel, beats it to death, rips its rib off and stabs it to death. You know, whilst screaming at the top of its lungs in this horrifying noise. And then once it's done its business, powers down. That's the thing. He gets his arm broken, doesn't he? Oh yeah, he like grabs it to the arm and snaps it, and then Shinji's there gripping his arm, and, and all the people in the control room are shouting, "Shinji, like, calm down! It's not your arm. You've got to sort of override everything with that." And when when his Ava takes control, if you will, it breaks Satchel's arms. Yeah, both of them, both of them at once, and then regenerates the broken arm. Yeah, it just sort of, it's, it's really horrible the way it goes about it. It's just, it's really brutal. But we sort of see that through flashbacks. And, and something I just want to throw in here at this point, it is a, a brutal, vicious beatdown. And uh, this show was criticized you know, towards the end of its run as being kind of a bit violent for children. Oh yeah, it's too violent for kids. Like, By yeah, episode yeah, 18, it's too violent for kids. This was fine. Yo, this, this is totally fine. Oh, God. Um, 
This is the thing is, and then uh, they turns out, yay, he saved the day. Go, Shinji! Hooray! And he's and lying there going, did I? Yeah, How and then he's that? like, well, I, I'm in town now. I guess I'm an Ava pilot. Uh, does that mean I'm going to live with you, Dad? And Gendo's like, ha! Fuck off. Get out of my past. Yeah, get out. I don't, I don't, I have no son. It's not even, it's not even I have no son. It's just he pretty much fucking ignores I'm him. I'm not going to, he doesn't acknowledge him. So Shinji either... It's, and it's, the fun lift scene. Well, yes, uh, Shinji decides that he's going to go live with himself because he's used to that by now. Miss- Drink every time he's ignored by, by oh, his yeah. father. Uh, Misato decides that is, that just won't do, so she invites him to, to live with her. And he lives with, with Misato as her sort of live-in Ava pilot mm-hmm. and begins one of the other catchphrases, which is, uh, welcome, what was it? I'm home, welcome home. Which happens quite a lot in this series as well. Mm-hmm. And for those listening, have probably already forgotten... Yeah. The fact that there's a penguin that yes. lives with them too. Mr. Yeah, okay, I, I remember that. You right? know what? <laughs> I, had, I had actually made notes about. I've made notes about various characters in this, but uh, Pen Pen isn't one of them. Misato has a a new species of penguin that has been discovered. A hot springs penguin. This penguin. It's a penguin that likes hot water. Mm-hmm. So her oh, bills <clears throat> seem to be it mostly. Wasn't, hmm? It wasn't discovered. It was man-made. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's a, a engineered like a, penguin, like a teacup yeah. pig. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a penguin that yeah lives in hot springs. Well, no, this is the thing, right? He's he's a hot spring penguin. He's a warm water penguin who likes hot springs and warm yep. water, but lives in the freezer. Yes, yeah. he, lives in, he lives in a little fridge compartment. <laughs> his his room is awesome. It's it's a bit confusing, but yes, because he has every, his room. Every you know. giant robot show had that cute little animal, animal alien mascot. thing mascot, and Pen Pen is that. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes you go, oh, it is a giant robot show. Oh, we don't need to worry about the giant robot roaring and screaming and stabbing something with its rib and blood flying everywhere. It's a giant robot, it's a penguin. Of course, it's a mascot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Shinji becomes an Ava pilot. The series begins. Then he has to go to school. Going to move into this school in Tokyo 3. You do have to juxtapose the life of an Ava pilot with the life of an ordinary child. They, they, don't, they don't get out of going to school. Nope. And uh, there's a lot of rumours going around. Oh, have you heard the rumour? The new kid in school, he's an Ava pilot. He's an Ava pilot. He's an Ava pilot. Oh, man. Oh, my God. And then, uh, you know, it sort of comes out in class because they all have laptops. Uh, someone private messages him saying, are you really the Ava pilot? And being a bit of a dumbass and not really understanding state security... Um, Shinji just yes everyone freaks out so he becomes like the most popular guy in school for five minutes uh-huh. cut instantly to him outside on the playground and uh, Toji who's one of his classmates whose sister got her I think she got her legs broken um, in, that la- in his fight with Satchel she was collateral damage she was in yeah. one of the buildings that got flattened so essentially AV Unit 1 in its bid to save the world did actually hurt a whole bunch of people mm. so you just didn't see it or hear about it um, and Toji pummels the shit out of Shinji. Yeah. Oh, and just, as we've witnessed, Shinji's not a fighter. Oh, he's not. He's, he's, a, he's a fall down on the ground and say, it's not my fault. I don't want to pilot Ava. Mm-hmm. It, it's not even a, a lover or a fighter situation. Yeah. It's, it's just... It's so Toji then no. goes back and just levers the dog fuck out of him. He just, oh, just beats him up royally. Yeah. Um... And Shinji's feeling a bit down about it and wondering, what is this all for? I'm just going to hurt people. Then another angel attacks! Shamshell, the angel of sunshine, or something along those lines. Mm. Um, and uh, it uh, attacks Tokyo 3, much like Satchiel did. 
Shinji gets out in AV Unit 1, goes to fight the giant robot, uh, sorry, goes to fight the, the giant monster. And during his fight, he realizes that Toji and Kensuke, his two, I say friends, you know, the, the friend of the guy who beat his ass and the guy who beat his ass, um, are nearby. They've snuck out of the, 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 the fallout shelter to come and spy on this fight. Um, so he's like, oh shit, if, I, if they stay out there, they're going to get completely flattened. So he undoes his cockpit, um, his, uh, what they call it, insertion tube, and tells them to get in. So they get in, he fights the angel, but he completely fucking loses his mind and is screaming, screaming to the high heavens while he just stabs this thing with his giant progressive knife, which is, you know, Ava unit, standard gear, big stabby knife. Big stabby knife. Big stabby knife. The size of a small building. Yep. And, and he's the just... knife can penetrate an AT field. Quite important. Oh, God, yes, AT fields. Uh... Force fields that Ava units and angels have. It's the, it's the reason only Ava units can kill angels, because they both have AT fields and they can neutralize them. It's Which stands for, abs- for absolute terror. Yes. They look like rainbows. Yeah. Well. That's how you describe a rainbow when yeah. you were in, your, in the plane. Sometimes they do. Mm. Um, they, they separate. Uh, as they are described by another character later on in the series, they are the perimeter of the realm that cannot be um, invaded. Yeah. They are the space that is your own that cannot be taken over by another. Mm. So Ava units basically undo that and penetrate it all, and there's a very unsettling implication with it all. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, basically Shinji freaks out, stabs Shamshul to death, and then has Sham- a... Shams him a bit. Yeah, yeah, screams, powers down, and then with Toji and Kensuke and the pilots, and you're like, yeah, the hero saved the day. He's got that big swaggery bravado. Yay. He has a long cry. Oh, God, it's so horrible. He just has a long cry. And Toji and Kensuke look and go, oh. Oh, he's, he's not an asshole. He's just a kid. He's, he's a child soldier. Oh. Conscripted into war. Yeah, against giant monsters. On his own. Yeah. And so uh, they essentially become his friends at that point, going, oh shit, we kind of misjudged you here. Yeah, we, had, is... we had no idea. Dude, you're, you're okay. Yeah. Uh, to the point that Toji then, by way of, uh, of, um, what's it called? by way of apology, says, look, this won't be right until you hit me back. You, we, we won't be square until you punch me. And Shinji thinks about it and says, no, I really don't want to do that. And Toji's like, no, 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 I won't be happy. I will not be satisfied until you have punched me. Shinji winds back, goes to punch him. And Toji, like an inch from his face, is like, stop! If you hold back, I will never forgive you. Thwack, there's a full-on punch. And there's like, there's been done two different ways as well ever since then. Like in the manga, Shinji just flat out refuses to punch him and just says, no, you'll just have to owe me one. Yeah. And in the re- I think it's the rebuilds, Toji says, you'll have to punch me. And he doesn't even get the word me out of his mouth before Shinji's fucking leathered him across the chops. <laughs> um, so they really play with that in a lot of different ways. But therein, a, a, um, a friendship is made. We'll jump across episode four, which is where Shinji sort of first decides to run away. Yeah, he absolutely runs away. And this is another great sort of divergence from trope. It's like, the kid runs away, so Misato goes and fetches him, and if it was a by-the-tropes-by-the-numbers show, she'd be like, no, no, you're, you're a pilot, get back here, have some faith in yourself, and, and you know, go and fight, and Misato's like, you're running away, Jesus, you're, you're a shit pilot, uh, yeah. okay, you're, you're fired. A shit boy. 
if, if, if all it does is to her, then yeah, go away, we'll find someone else. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. And he runs away. And they basically, they essentially fire him. And they decide, you know what, no, I've got to, I've got to look after Tony, I've got to look after Kensuke. Just because it hurts me doesn't mean I'm not doing good work. Yeah. Which is a kind of a very self-destructive philosophy that he starts to take on. Um, so we go to episode five, Ray One. We get introduced to another Raven pilot. We do. Well, Ray. the backup pilot. Yes, from, from the first episode, Ray. Blue-haired, red-eyed, pale. She's a bit funny. She's a bit odd, isn't she? She's a bit odd. Emotionless. Mm. Um, and very to the point, she understands she will do exactly as she is commanded, with no thought to herself, or mm. any, well, you know, or really anyone else other than to the mission. And she seems to know people just by... At a glance, she 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 read she read the reports. She read the, the yeah, dossier. Yeah, yeah, she reads. Um, and I, I did read a thing that she was supposed to be. Uh, Anno Hideaki hates this this bizarre Japanese trope of what's called the Yamato Nadeshko, which is the sort of uh, the, the the stereotypical perfect housewife that she is. She is demure, quiet, beautiful, but not like in, a, in an overstated way. Um, and she will she will gladly throw down her life for her family or her country. You know, she's brave to that point. She would gladly sacrifice herself for nothing but the good of the country and her family. Yeah. And Anu Hideaki fucking hated that. Mm-hmm. To the point that he wanted to show that a character who would... A purely noble, selfless sacrifice is the most disgusting thing in the world to him. Like, various characters throughout this will, sac- will sacrifice themselves for a particular goal, uh, for glory, for acceptance... Uh, for love, they'll do it for uh, selfish means. And they're all shown as being a much better payoff than Ray, who is the only one who has a selfless sacrifice, and it's just shown as being incredibly hollow and, and just not worth it. And again, that's been a trope that's gone around for a long time of mm. the, the selfless sacrifice maiden, and, and it's just Anno going, yeah, that's basically bullshit. You would have to be some kind of pathetic human being to want to do that or find that interesting mm. a it's lot of Ava a is brutalizing based- hollow gesture yeah a lot of Ava is basically just Anno going if you like this you're a fucking idiot and it, it did kind of extend onto Ava itself like he did there was a fan who did meet him at a convention or whatever it was and said that he'd like spent shitloads of money on this Ava notebook stuff and all that and Anno went you're a fucking idiot you could have spent that money on a degree and then just walked away like, he's an angry, angry man. Oh yeah, I mean, um, I can understand why from from his point of view. It is it, it is disturbing to me how popular Ray is. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. very very weird. It's especially when you go between the two different countries. Well, between like the West and the East, like the popularity of Ray, who is seen as sort of more more typical in Japan, and Asuka is this sort of exotic foreigner. Whereas over here, it's sort of the other way around that Ray is this sort of bizarre alien foreigner with this the quietness and all this stuff. And then Asuka is much more what we would be used to. Well, a lot of the properties I know is rebelling against in Ray match to the, the fetishized Asian woman yes. in, in Western culture. Uh, and it's really, yeah. really disturbing to see this, what to me is a blatant critique of that character. Uh, it slides straight into the fetishized zone amongst a lot of Western fans who are like, yeah, oh, yes, she represents everything I like about Asian women. 
And she's 14. And they, and they brought out so much merchandise for mm-hmm. uh, mostly just Ray and Oscar. They're yeah. the only, there's so many model sets that are just them together. I mean, I've got on my shelf behind me, I've got one of them in sort of short kimonos, which are really cute. But you don't get any merchandise really for Shinji that often, or even Karu. I've got all the Karu character. merchandise. I have all the Karu <laughs> merchandise. Uh, yeah, you don't get really- it because Jack has it all. Yeah, it's also worth pointing out in terms of the merchandising thing, in the same way that like uh, Anna tried to create this sort of um, you know, dissemination of the, this sort of perfect Japanese housewife character with Rei, and then watched in horror as so many animes sort of, not really copied, but homaged Rei in certain characters. Rei from the Desco yeah, uh, one. It built up and up. In the same way, uh, a lot of Ava was built to uh, show that high merchandising mecha shows were like essentially profiting off of the uh, idea of child soldiers and that you know all this over merchandising overly capitalist version of anime was like really really bad and funny you should mention those ray and asuka uh, dolls because they release two of those every year and have done endlessly like every year since ava came out There's more than two a year. Yeah, it's, it's uh, crazy. The, the amount I mean, of merchandise. There's even Pinky Streets, any sort of model set. It'll be that out, That's popular. Yeah, there's, I think, there's Landroids, or there will be soon. There's um, Chibi Little versions. I mean, um, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff out there. And basically, Irish. it's become the thing that it was sort of fighting against. It's quite a yeah. weird thing to see. So you can understand, I guess, why Anna would be kind of. An angry, angry man. I was going to say, the best bit of merchandise we own, apart from my uh, Lance of Longinus Pyro pen, um, I'm not kidding, it's sitting right by me, um, is um, a set of Russian dolls of Ray. Oh, God, that's That's super creepy. That is. In context, you go, oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, because it's... Yeah, it's all her different outfits. Mm -hmm. Yep. But at the same time, okay. break her open, but even, get even, another one, but break her that, open, get yeah. another one. <laughs> and the, cent- the, centre one, the centre one is actually, like, Kid Ray. Uh, ah. Yeah. Uh, it's also worth pointing out with, with these Ray episodes that it's, we get introduced to one of my favourite angels, uh, Ramiel, the Angel of Hail. It was an Angel of Thunder, I forget. Um, who... Uh, is a going away from like the giant rubber monster style things of the first two angels we've seen is a giant floating diamond that hums a jaunty tune as it floats over Japan. Oh man, that thing! And anything that gets too close to it, it fries with a laser. Like it just laser completely penetrates anything that gets too close to it. Yeah, uh, and it's yeah. It'll uh, rearrange itself and be completely impervious to damage within a certain range. So the only way to kill it is to attack it from outside of that range. To that end, Rei and Shinji, well, Nerve basically uh, takes a giant positron rifle that's still in the development stages and has to be powered by, and this is a wonderful, wonderful little bit of sort of 80s giant robot sci-fi so it has to be powered by the entirety of Japan's power output. And what's more, that can only manage two shots. Two shots. Two shots. Uh, and it's a big blackout Japan to fire two shots at Ramiel. First one gets deflected, second one penetrates it, kills it. 
Yeah. I mean, Ramiel is very interesting because the first angels are very clearly creatures. Yeah. They are biological. And angels have their cores, which are protected by their AT fields. Yeah. And they're sort of presented in the earlier episodes as akin to brains or hearts or some sort of vital part it, of biology. Important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Ramiel, at first glance, just is not a life form. Ramiel is, it's a crystal. A shape. Yeah. So uh, it's whether it is in armor or whether it is biologically armor, they realize, you know, they've got to punch through this somehow, and hence the positron rifle. It's a, it's a wonderful plot device yeah. to come up with the giant fucking sniper rifle, which I so- love. I love the Positron rifle. And again, it is a very te- it's a very tense episode because you know they've only got two shots. Like, any sniper yeah. scene where you know they've only got two shots is incredible. This just happens to be a sniper rifle that's taller than the fucking Chrysler Mill. Well, yeah, big, but, it's know, pretty big. It's pretty um, big. And what I love, if you ever, it's, it's the, one of the few concessions I will make to the, the rebuilds of Ava mm. is that Ramiel in the rebuilds are fucking incredible. Because Ramiel in, the, in Ava is... It's, it's, you know, it's it's just a diamond. Yeah, right? I remember. Yeah, in the rebuilds, it is it's done in CGI. Oh. so the surface of it is very subtly changing every time it moves around, as it's reflecting everything and slowly spinning around, and oh. sometimes and when, not very subtly changing. It completely yeah, it, changes form when it fires its laser. It unfolds, and it's it's trillions of tiny little geometric shapes as it unfolds into, yeah. into, a, into a sheet, and then fires its laser and screams, and then folds back in on itself into a diamond. When it dies, like the, the, the beam goes through its body, hits its core, and you hear the sound of like shattering glass, and it just becomes entirely red, like it fills up with blood. Yeah. And it screams, like a very human scream, and then just falls to the ground and just shatters into these melting red puddles. And I was just looking at this going, I feel unwell. I remember the original this. one goes down pretty wretched. Well, it, there's fire bad. everywhere. Like, yeah, fire yeah, shoots yeah, yeah, yeah. Still but it also bleeds. Yeah. I was going to say, one time, not because I've only actually watched the first rebuild film, Yeah. Um, is it feels kind of like what Ava could have looked like hmm. if it had a budget. Yeah. <laughs> I think because those films are beautiful. I mean, they are mostly funded by particular money. Um, <laughs> Which I'm not even kidding about. Yep. And, this is a Christmas uh, again. <laughs> and um, just you compare the scenes of just the Avers running yeah. and you're just blown away with just how mm. gorgeous it looks. And it's also, it's, imagine seeing that on the big screen. It must have been amazing. It's also but, worth pointing out that, like, uh, the, the Avery, in the same way that Ava was made to point fun at giant robot fans, the Ava rebuilds were made to point fun at Ava fans. Mm. <laughs> you know, we, have, we have crowdsourced the absolute character, the character that absolutely everyone in, will hate. All Ava fans will hate this character, so we're going to make her a new main character. <laughs> and watch, watch as all the new fans love her. Yeah. And they did. And I'm oh, like, this yeah. is fucking weird. Fanboy tears. Everything is going according to Anno's grand design. Everyone loves Mary, but she's awful. And I don't understand. But, I mean, going back to the original, because... Yep. We are on a time limit. Sorry. We are on a time um, limit, yes. Ramiel, it's also really tense, not just because of the two shots, not just because this seems to be an unassailable angel. Uh, Ramiel also attacks the Geofront. 
the, yes. the nerve HQ directly and actually yeah. punctures into it. Uh, so it starts to drill down. This isn't just about Tokyo 3. They're coming for nerve. They're coming for the Ava base. Or something underneath it. <laughs> something else is coming for you, apparently. <laughs> oh, that's uh, Rob opening a door. It just worked so perfectly. Yep. <laughs> Um, so, yes, then we move on to uh, an episode called A Human Work, which won't go on to too much. Cause it, it, it's, well, we it's, also it's, see Ray's first selfless sacrifice in Ray 2. Oh, yes, but the because shield. Shinji misses with his first shot. And yeah. um, Ramiel fires back. He needs time to charge up for the second, and Ramiel is about to shoot him. So Ray interposes herself with a shield, and, admittedly, but yeah. one that she's got no reason to believe will work. And it doesn't mostly. I mean, she does melt a little bit. The robot melts. Yeah, pretty much. She her her LCL boils, and she gets very badly wounded. Um, Um, Isn't that also the episode with her and Gendo's glasses? Yes, which we probably don't have time to talk about on this. But yeah, it's there's a lot of weird little callbacks and callbacks and call forwards and all that sort of stuff. Um, So far, you say they establish a creepy connection between this. Mysterious fourteen-year-old girl and Shinji's father. That is all you very need to heavily implied. They have a romantic relationship, or at least a physical relationship. It's quite unsettling. Um, so yeah, episode seven, a human work, which is where we. I, I always count it as being like, oh, it's the Ava filler episode. You don't need to see it. And then going back and rewatching it, and going, well, shit. There's a whole lot of foreshadowing dumped on us right here. Uh, we find out about Nerve's uh, uh, sort of head of research and development, uh, Ritsuko Akagi, who is this sort of brilliant scientist woman following in her mother's footsteps who um, helped fund, who helped start up Nerve. Um, and they, it's her and Misato going off to see that the, the uh, Japanese self-defense force has built its own giant robot that can fight angels. That is nuclear-powered. It's nuclear-powered. Nuclear and it's their own way of doing things. And they go, but what happens if it, like, you know, goes crazy? And they go, only Ava's go crazy and, like, flatten half a city. Oh, my God, Jess alone has gone crazy. And it basically just keeps going forward and its nuclear reactor starts going critical and it's going to blow up unless someone goes inside it and puts in the... the, the um, control rods. Control rods and puts in the right code. And Misato does it event- eventually, uh, and then it turns out right at the end that... Look, right at the end of the episode, Nerve and specifically Ritzko were in charge of making everything go wrong. They sabotaged Jet alone to make it look like Nerve was the only option. So Ritzko is quite willing to help to put her friend's life in abject danger because that's what the company tells us to do. That is what Nerve tells us to do. That is specifically what Gendo tells her to do. Nerve Again, must succeed. Again, heavily implied there is physical stuff going on. It's not even physical. It's not even implied. It is stated. There is physical stuff going on between Gendo and Ritsuko. Yeah. Uh, and as um, we'll later find out, there was stuff going on between Gendo and Ritsuko's mother. So that man gets around in a, the, the fucking creepiest of ways. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, my favorite scene from that episode is just all these giant tables with people crowded around them. Yep. And then you have the massive table just reads going, um, Masato, and yeah. all these bottles of wine. And there's just, these, <laughs> yeah, no, there's just the nerve table. Um, and, the, and all these guys go, ah, the Ava units, they go crazy and, and, and like 
completely get out of control and blow shit up. Just like a woman, am I right? Oh, lol, lol, lol. Oh. Yeah. Um, so yes, we'll move on then to uh, episode eight, Simon. Which I, I, love, I love the dissonance between the names of this one, the, the English name and the Japanese name, because every, every episode um, has an English title and a Japanese title. I know, these two are good. Sometimes they are um, translations of one another. Sometimes they're, com- they're chosen completely a differently. A human work is exactly the same. Magma yeah, Diver is exactly the same. Yeah. But this one, like, the, the English one is Asuka Strikes. And the Japanese is Asuka Arrives in Japan. Mind you, it's not as good as <laughs> Nine for Distance. Nine, yes. which is the Japanese title is Momentarily Unite the Minds. And then the English and is Both of you dance like you want to win. Which is my favourite episode title. It's one of my, well, second favourite episode title um, is Both of You Dance Like You Want to Win. Uh, we get introduced to another Ava pilot. My favourite character in the show. And Rob's favourite. And my favourite. Yeah, and rapidly becoming easily, one of my favourites. Easily for me. As- uh, Asuka Langley saw you, who is a half Japanese, half German. Um, badass. Badass. She is, as she puts it, the, the, the greatest Ava pilot because. Ray and Shinji are only piloting prototypes. Mm-hmm. AV Unit 0 and AV Unit 1 are prototypes. AV Unit 2 is the finished result. And they yeah. got her to think, pilot it. AV, yeah, she is. So AV Unit 0 is the prototype. Yeah. AV Unit 1 is the test type. Yes, and then AV Unit 2 is the, the field model. Um, yeah. And, yeah. She's like, man, I really wish I could show you how awesome I am. Oh, look, the fleet that we're on that's transporting AV Unit 2 to Japan is under attack by a giant angel. Gargiel into a fish. I guess I'll yes. hop into my Ava. Yeah, with Shinji. And I, it's got one of those wonderful scenes where basically like, the, the robot doesn't work at first because uh, she, and she's like, what's going on? I thought you were a great Ava pilot. And then she realizes that because it's psychologically linked up to her, she, uh, it's getting all confused because she's thinking in German. Mm, yeah. But Shinji is thinking in Japanese. It's confusing everything. So she's like, just think in German. And it's just Shinji's <laughs> thinking. And he, just, he looks really confused for a moment. Then he goes... Baumkuschen. <laughs> and she just Rat goes, she's like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then just, she goes, fine, switch to Japanese. And she then starts thinking in Japanese because she's like quadrilingual or something. She's yeah. English, German, Japanese. So in a way that she's having to, because of the, because of the, because of your, your um, obviously your emotional and uh, mental awareness is obviously what turns the tide of battle when you're fighting in an yep. Ava. She's actually fighting at a disadvantage. She puts herself in a handicap. Yeah, because she's trying to concentrate in Japanese. Also, Ava Unit 2 can't fight underwater and she's fighting a giant whale monster and yeah, she was just underwater. thinking yeah but, do you know what really surprised me about that episode what's that they didn't need a bigger boat they well no they just needed two rather large boats yeah jammed it down oh they did then they needed yeah. two jammed Sorry, it down Gargoyle's throat and had them uh, self-destruct right next to its core which was oh, yes. its mouth yeah yeah I see. Um, this episode does also introduce us to another favourite character of mine Kaji we go to oh, Kaji. Yeah, yeah. It's your favorite character. Isn't he, it? Mm, he's up there. Yeah. He is a very no. interesting man who is uh, a sort of flame from Misato's past. Very smarmy, very slimy he's guy. The smarm. Yeah, who escapes. Do you know. Sorry, do you know how it, the, uh, that whole fight varies between the anime and the manga? No. In the manga, they could almost completely gloss over it. Oh. That they don't go to meet Oscar on the ship. She she defeats the angel all by herself. <laughs> See, I can put oh, it rolls up. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah, oh, by yeah. the way, I killed an angel. The way over here, there's one more down. Yeah, and the thing is, they bump into her in Tokyo Three at like a game center. Oh, 
And eventually, so, hey, how you doing? Angel ain't shit. Yeah, eventually, when you know they 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 get introduced to her, they're like, oh shit, it's her from because they she gets into a fight with um, Toji. Toji, yeah, yeah. Was well, like, he still drop his pants? Um, uh, not aware. Um, okay. Kaji then basically fucks off in the middle of the fight. On a MIG, I think it is. It's like, it's yeah, a, it's yeah, a Russian exactly. yeah, yeah. He just appears. They go, Where, "Where's Kaji? Is he okay? Is he?" It's like one of the MIGs is missing. <laughs> yeah. Then you just see him turning up on the aircraft carrier, going, "Oh, by the way, everyone, I've got a really important mission, so uh, I gotta go." I'm just, just going, flies off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just flies off. Just fucks it. off. That's it. And they're like, "Oh," and so he's just left. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you find at the end of the episode, he's given something, something to Gendo, and Gendo says, "Ah, the first human." Mm-hmm. Dun dun dun. Which we referenced earlier. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, this is the thing, but we know that, that that was a giant thing. So, what the fuck has Gendo got? Um, and so, yes, we meet Kashi, who is also pretty cool, but Asuka is fucking awesome in her giant red Ava that pummels the shit out of everything. She I is. Love Ava too. She is your Lancer character. She mm-hmm. is bravado. She is swagger. She is, I can kick anything. If it has an ass, I will kick it. If it doesn't have an ass, I will kick it until it grows an ass, and then I will kick it. And she's ass. all about what I really like about her as well, because she is very much a strategic fighter. Yeah, like but she will occasionally let. Oh yeah, like the thing is, her, yeah. yeah, the thing is, she does let let that slip every yeah. now and then. Yeah, um, she's the best goddamn Ava pilot, and if you don't believe me, just ask her; she'll tell you. Yeah, 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 yeah. We then jump to next episode. Both of you dance like you want to win. Well, this is um, it follows on from the fact that even though she was handicapped by having to think in Japanese, it's revealed that in that fight, she broke her own synchronization record with her Ava. Yeah, yeah. and so did Shinji. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, Shinji's pretty good at this and yeah. pretty in sync with Asuka. Yeah, and there's so much you could look into with their. So their relationship together. Um, the way I've had it explained to me is essentially Asuka is, in, is into Shinji. But the way she outwardly shows this is by sort of berating because she wants him to be more masculine. Yeah, she sees sweetnesses. Yeah, she, wants, like, she wants him to be like, a man. Yeah, yeah. She's well, like, you could be my kind of guy. Yeah. So man up. Yeah, um, and he takes offense at this because she's, a, she's essentially antagonizing him and trying to beat the shit out of him. Yeah. So he retreats and she gets confused, thinking, wait, what's going on? I don't understand. You're supposed to reciprocate and yeah. this, that not how this works. That makes me angry and confused. I'm going to continue berating you until yeah. you get it. We're having and a so bravado off. Join in. Yeah. And Shinji just retreats further and further away. So it's this thing of like, it just doesn't work right from the beginning. And there's this horrible, horrible dynamic between them. Like, they are clearly. The, they are the couple they're meant to be, but it just keeps fucking up, and it's and not in like a funny comedy errors harem way, in a in a horrible, horrible way, in a just mismatched psyches way. Yeah, um, we then have Israfel, the angel of uh, song and poetry, hmm. who uh, is it's a it's a cluster angel. They cut it. Uh, Asuka cuts it in half. And it turns into two angels, and it beats the shit out of Asuka and Shinji. There's song. There's poetry. Oh, with the best pictures ever. Yeah, with their legs sticking about the ground. <laughs> so, in order to kill it, they need to synchronize their movements perfectly. And the training regimen for this is to literally live side by side for days on end until they go up into the next playing fight. Playing DDR. And playing DDR, like, you know, this rhythm matching game, and they can't quite get it. 
Um, and then this, and it's just Asuka saying, oh, it's not my fault. It's this bloody, it's Shinji. I'm amazing at everything. He's clearly the fault here. Yeah, he's too slow. Yeah. yeah. So then they put, <laughs> they put Shinji on with Rei. And they, they're perfectly in sync. They can do it perfectly. And Asuka gets very, very upset about this. And it's not until later on that we'll find out why Asuka would be so very, very upset by the concept of being replaced by the doll-like Rey. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, Asuka has so much fucking baggage. Interestingly, there was a, an interview with one of the um, episode directors, one of the characters, sort of designers as well, and they said, who is the most psychologically damaged character in Hades? <laughs> and you know what he answered? Asuka. Kaji. But he's also the absolute best at hiding it. Because he's seen the wars in the last 15 years. Mm. He's been there. He's seen some things. He works, he works espionage. Mm. He's seen the world and all the wars that have gone on in the last 15 years. Like, Jesus, yeah, okay, fair enough. And they said, but he just he hides it really well because that's kind of his job. Um, so then we get... Which Ag- actually, again... Yep. With the manga, they actually go into his backstory. Sorry, and like, it does change a lot of the characterizations and stuff, but like, yeah. I do want to find out more about Kaji. We got, the manga's uh, really worth reading, because it does go all the way to... It actually gives you a ending. Yes, well, a different one. Um, it, gives you, it gives you a positive ending. <laughs> well, it's... Yeah. Um, Still, so we're not one quite many halfway through the episodes yeah. yet. And we are you rapidly know. running out of time. Yeah. Um, with Moraska there, we've got uh, Magma Diver, where you'll have Aven some fan service, and they go down into a volcano to fight the angel of the unborn, Sandalfon. And they talk about thermal expansion. Yep, and Shinji saves Asuka. Oh, expansion. Uh, episode 11, the day Tokyo 3 stood still. Uh, where we have, what we see is like normal life for the, the staff of Nerve. Um... And also the angel material, the angel of ah oh, fuck it, I think it's that's the angel of rain, um, who has a giant daddy long legs with eyes that weep acid, and basically Tokyo Three is under a power cut, so it's the Avers having to sort of crank everything up and battle using sort of old mechanical plugs and stuff rather than electronics, which is kind of fun. Um, Episode 12, where the English title is she, did, uh, she Said Don't Make Others Suffer for Your Personal Hatred. Which is uh, Sahakiel, the, the angel that basically like, floats above the earth and like, drops chunks of itself onto the, the earth and like, uh, makes uh, what they call like, meteorites out of itself. And it's getting closer and closer and closer to Tokyo 3. And they figure that it's also getting bigger as it gets to Tokyo 3. And by the time it reaches Tokyo 3, it will basically just obliterate half the planet. It, it sort the, of feels like a metaphor for the terror of old-fashioned artillery attacks. Yeah, it's you just know, getting You feel like they're ranging powder. in on you, and yeah. they are going to get you. Um, and then uh, the, the AB units managed to sort of use their AT fields to reverse it and split it open. Uh, you've got uh, the Lilliputian Hitcher, which is Iruel, the Angel of Terror, which is a tiny microorganism, like, an, it's essentially a species of nanobots. It's Again, my favorite angel. Really, yeah, it's a really weird, weird concept, and it basically infects the Magi. That was cool. Yeah, which are the yeah. three supercomputers that run all the sort of day-to-day stuff at Nerve. 
they because they needed to get like a they need a two thirds majority or a consent a perfect one hundred percent consensus, and they are based around uh, Ritsuko Akagi's mother uh, creating three digital copies of herself: one as a scientist, one as a woman, and one as a mother. Mm. And how they Basically, interact with them to make decisions. Um, it's basically the id, ego, and super ego. Yeah, there's so again, like try, you, you take the number three and you try and deliver any sort of uh, symbolism from it, and you can find all sorts of things. Um, and it is, it's super, and also her, her mother is a really interesting character, especially when you look at like the stuff with Gendo and everything. Um, but Irowell's terrifying, and it basically tries to infect the supercomputers and try and convince Tokyo, uh, try to convince the Geofront to self destruct. For what end, we don't know. It just really wants that place to blow up. And they eventually, essentially, they hack it to death. They, they reprogram it to death. Um, episode 14, The Clip Show. Yeah, basically. It's, it's half the episode. It's just uh, it's Gendo summarizing what's happened to, in like a, a field report. And then the second half of the episode is research into dummy plugs. They're trying to figure out a way to make AV units uh, be remote controlled. Um, Navy Unit Zero going completely batshit insane and in, in its little um, pen and trying to blow up uh, the Nerve headquarters. Um, and Ray going and picking up a thing called the Lance of Longinus. Well, that's the thing. Was, was Unit Zero trying to attack Nerve, or was it trying to attack Ray, or was it trying to attack Ritsuko? Or Gendo. Or Gendo. All, of, this... all of them are implied. Yeah, it's there's so many different ways, and like when you start finding out what the angels are and everything, it's yeah. Um, then you got episode fifteen, uh, which has like probably the squeakiest title. Uh, These women longed for the touch of others' lips and thus invited their kisses. AKA lies and yeah. silence. Lies and silence, uh, where we find out that Kashi is actually a spy working for Sile, working for Nerve, working for the UN. Who the fuck is he working for? We don't know. All we know, he's a spy. And he's going to show Masato the truth. There is a big fucking horrible marshmallow monster living in the basement of Nerve. What is it? We don't know. Is that Adam? I don't know. I'm fairly certain Adam is a tiny little weird thing. What the fuck is that? And so now we essentially say goodbye to the giant robot show that is Ava. Mm-hmm. With episode 16, the splitting of the breast, or sickness unto death, and... Dot, dot, dot. Mm. One of my favorite angels, Lelial, the angel of the night, who is a, well, shadow. It's a giant floating orb with this weird shadow, and everything keeps getting sucked into its shadow. Mm. And whenever they attack the orb, nothing happens. It just doesn't do any damage, no matter what they do to it. Until they realize that the angel is actually the shadow creeping along the ground, and its shadow is this three dimensional shape in the sky. And it's actually like a several nanometers thick thing that creates another dimension inside itself and ah my brain and during the fight Shinji gets taken into it mm. he gets absorbed and essentially he goes to purgatory he goes to hell he has a chat with his own personal inner demons rebuilds himself uh, and a shining matronly figure with his mother's voice drags him from this, this pit of perdition and he explodes out of the angel's shadow, and it, and it just dies and ruptures into blood. Well, we we say he, but of course he is inside Unit One. Oh, 
Yes. Unit he, 1 he, explodes violently out of Lelel. And when they open it up, it's... Is that the point? Yeah, it's the point where they open it up and it's empty. Oh, no, 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 sorry, no, that is later. So that, that's later. That's later. Yeah, that is, but it is, it is worth pointing out that you say he erupts out of the, uh, yes. the angel. Unit 1 erupts yeah. out of the angel with him in it. Yeah, and there's bl- it goes berserk, there's blood everywhere. It's uh, another Unit 1 loses its shit moment. We've yeah, had a couple of those out, now. We also find out about Yui Akari, who is uh, Shinji's mother, Gendo's uh, wife, uh, who was a lead scientist, I believe, on the Ava project, who died um, during an Ava Unit 1 um, sort of... Test. Well, during an Ava Unit test thing. Uh, it's heavily implied at that time that Shinji was present when she died. It's one of the... It wasn't even a. Uh, it was just one of the prototypes. Yeah, and she died during the running of it. Um, episode seventeen and eighteen. Now this is where you get properly fucking punched in the heart repeatedly. Uh, fourth children. Yeah. Oh yeah. Another AV unit's been built in America, and it explodes on the runway. So they go, "Well, fuck. We best move the the other one we've got, uh, AV unit five. Um, oh no, so it's AV unit three which is the black one, which is my favourite one, we best move this to Japan. Well, this was, it was another experiment to make an Ava with an unlimited power supply. Yeah. It's a recurring... Uh, Because well, well, f- first one was Jet Alone, which was an equivalent of an Ava with an independent power supply. Yeah. This was the attempt to give an Ava an independent power supply. Yeah. And the first one exploded. They were like, oh shit, maybe we better take this one to Japan. Uh, and on the way, it gets infected by Bardiel, the Angel of the Haze. Uh, also, I just wanted, uh, I wanted to go back to it just for a moment. Uh, Lelial, the, the Angel of the Night. Mm. On a little note, it's one of my cr- favourite creepy-ass stories about angels. Mm. Is that Lelial is also the angel who gives you a philtrum. The reason you have that little, the, the reason you have the little groove under your nose. Yeah, it's because Lelial places her finger to your lips. When you're in the womb, Lelial whispers a horrible truth in your ear, or a comforting truth. She whispers the truth in your ear and then presses right. her fingertip to your mouth and says, shh, tells you to keep it secret. So that and little dip above your lip is the impression of her finger on your lips. Oh. And I thought that's, that's one of my really favourite cool. creepy-ass stories. Also, uh, she's also the only angel that is overtly referred to as she, rather than a gender-neutral or masculine hmm. term. There you go. That's cool. Bit, bit of a Talmudic law there for you. Wow. Um, and during this time, we're also seeing that uh, the fourth child, the, the fourth pilot is going to be picked to pilot Ava. We don't know who it is. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And I, was, I, I remember watching this with someone and he was going, oh, I figured out who it is. And I went, oh man, I really wish you hadn't figured it out straight away. And he went, it's going to be Toji's sister, isn't it? And I went, oh... Oh, okay. It's a good idea. That's mm, interesting. And he was like, oh, I know it. It's going to be Toji's sister because she's in the hospital. Toji's been talking about going and seeing her. Oh, was but it it's Matt? acting weird. Hey? Is it Matt? Um, Matt Brown. No, no. I, can't I, think it was, um, I think it was Mike. Oh, uh, yeah, true. Um, and basically, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he's like, oh, yeah, his, his sister's, he said his sister's been acting weird and, you know, she's in the hospital, but we don't see her very well. We've never seen her. You know, all this secret stuff. Uh, anyway, the, the new pilot gets into AV Unit uh, 3. 
and the angel then probably kicks in, takes over the body of the Ava unit, and starts wreaking havoc. Shinji is there, well, all the Ava units are deployed to go and destroy the, um, the rogue Ava unit. Which then the kicks the shit her. out of Ava 0 and Ava 2. Ava Unit 0 and Ava Unit 2 uh, don't put up much of a fight. They, real, they know who the pilot is. Shinji is the only one who doesn't know who the pilot is. Uh, and he goes off to fight it and then realizes, wait, that is an Ava Unit. There is a pilot inside it. There is a kid my age in that robot. He doesn't know who it is, but he knows there is a kid my age in that suit. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to fight it. And he's being strangled and saying, no, if it's me or him, I, I, I deserve to die. I'm not going to kill another human being. Gendo's like, well, fuck this for a game of soldiers, and switches on the testing dummy plug. The, 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 the sort of put Ava unit on autopilot. Uh, on auto aim bot mode. Yeah. Um, and it does. And it works to peak efficiency. And it kind of looks an awful lot like the times we've seen it lose its shit and fight for itself. Yeah, it screams. There's, there's it no shares. difference. Yeah, it basically bludgeons uh, AV Unit 3 to death. It, like, to a point, it punches its head and like blood sprays all over the place. It rips its arm off. It punches it and rips into it. There's, there's big, thick gobbets of blood raining down from street lamps. This yeah, was the fight like, scene that finally prompted complaints that, well, this show isn't for kids. And it's also worth pointing out, yeah, blood from the AV Unit. That's been there a couple of times now, is that AV Units bleed when you hit them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah blood raining down everywhere and finally and Shinji's screaming stop it please stop it because he can feel everything feeding back into him it's like he's doing it with his own hands but has no control AV unit 1 and now that the enemy's been neutralized AV unit 1 picks up the entry plug with the pilot inside it and Shinji barely gets out of the scream of no before <laughs> crushes the entry pilot and crushes the pilot inside mm. And cut to Shinji sitting in the, the seat like he's been powered down. Nothing can happen. He's all sort of breathing heavily and everyone's apologizing to him like on the radio. And he's, he just doesn't quite understand what's going on. It's like he's just too furious at his dad. And then they say, Shinji, the pilot. And it bling, 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 sort of pans down from his eye view. And he, real, and they see, he sees them um, taking Toji out of the entry plug, mm-hmm. you know, his best friend. His best friend. He just, to his mind, he killed. Was me. He, he, did, he, did, he did, in fact, cripple him. In the manga, he kills him. In the anime, he basically uh, told Jess both his legs amputated. That's one difference I never understood. I always thought, because he doesn't really come back to doing anything, yeah. they probably could have just got away Because Toji is the archetypal, uh, from, from sort of like the trope things, he's the big guy. He's the, yeah, I yeah. can do, you know, I'm the strong, capable soldier character. And the one moment he gets to fight, he gets his ass handed to him and he gets crippled for the rest of his life. Yeah, I suppose that. And he's also subverting that trope. Killing killing the soldier is the expected end of the soldier, but breaking the soldier. Yeah, before he even fights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, Shinji, that episode just ends on Shinji screaming. And it's the moment where they go... um, yeah, uh, Shinji, you know the, the joke of Shinji getting the fucking robot? It's the moment where they go, Shinji, get out of the fucking robot. Yeah. And he won't. He's going to stomp on the Geofront. He's going to fucking stamp his father into the ground whilst piloting a giant robot. So they just up the pressure in the entry plug and like, essentially suffocate him till he falls unconscious and pull him out of the AV unit. And he says, well, that's it. Fuck it, I quit. Again. 
And another angel attacks. Zerowal, angel of the moon. In fairness, this time his quitting is a lot more explicable. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's got a big reason to go for this. Um, and Zerowal attacks, or Zerowal attacks. Uh, it rips everything to shreds. It, uh, it Ray blows herself up with an N2 mind to try and fight it. Like, AV Unit 0 gets totaled. Uh, AV Unit 2 goes to fight it with like every weapon available, and it just cuts AV Unit 2's arms off. Yeah, and she's just standing there oh, to do anything, yeah. just completely rooted to the spot, and then it just cuts her head off. And if you're yeah. wondering if the feedback kicks in here, it does. It does. She literally, she's alive, but she feels what it's like to have your head and arms cut off. She can't, and it just they cut, they cut off, they cut off the nerves just in time before the beheading. Yes, so she's already had both her arms cut off by then. Yeah, um, Shinji gets into AV Unit One to fight Zero Will, um, and during this fight. Not only does it go berserk after losing its arm, but it rips a piece of zero off, jams it into its open arm wound, and regrows a giant human arm mm-hmm. and starts f- freaking out. It leaps onto zero and starts to eat it. And there's this horrible, horrible, creepy shot yes. from the distance of it like leaning over as you're hunched over. Hunched over it, chomping, and you've got these horrible, wet, slurping, munching it noises. It looks like a predator. It, it does, and it's not it's the moment as where in it, Predator the series, but it yeah. looks like a predatory animal crouched over its prey, tearing at the carcass. There's that one super creepy shot where it literally raises its head and looks over its shoulder at the camera, and you've just got these two little white yeah, dots in its eyes. And it's almost like it's checking it out to see if anything's coming to take its food. Yeah. And then it goes back to eating it, yeah. and it takes the S2 engine, it takes like the, the infinite power engine essentially into itself, and... Its armor starts popping off. And you have the thing of saying, that's not armor. It's restraint. Mm. It's a cage. It's a cage to keep it in. And you realize, and this is essentially it's where it gets put into you, that they are not giant robots. Mm-hmm. The mechanical components of an Ava are the armor, slash restraints, mm-hmm. the shell, yeah. the entry plug. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah, It's a neural link into the being that is contained within the armor shell. They are not giant robots, they are giant clones. Mm-hmm. Clones are angels who, if you haven't been able to piece it together yet, are fueled by the soul of a human being. In AV Unit 1's case, Shinji's mother. So that entry plug that he's being full of amniotic fluid and being put inside, he's essentially being put inside a makeshift mechanical womb and being inserted into his mother. And when he was drawn into Laliel and saw his mother, he was being whispered a truth. It was AV Unit, yeah, it was AV Unit 1 talking to him and telling him what's going on. So there's a whole bunch of shit going on now. Uh, we move on then to, uh, uh, he was aware that he was a child, so a whole bunch of shit starts to go down. Uh, Shinji disappears, he reaches like 4,000% synchronicity rate and essentially just becomes LCL mm-hmm. and they realise they have to try and get him back and there's, it, it starts getting, I mean I can't really go into detail on these episodes because it's just, it's all metaphysical pondering. It's no, also that, where that, the budget collapsed. Yeah. yeah. So Kaji, is- Kaji figures out what's going on and tells Misato that he's going to tell her everything that's going on, gives her some information then he goes to meet someone and it's shot. Like, what we see of him is just, he turns uh, to, towards the camera and says, you're a little late, aren't you? Cut to black and a gunshot. 
then Masato crying and listening to his last antipode message yeah. and him saying, the next time we meet, I'll tell you the one thing I was never able to tell you. Mm. And he's like, oh, fucking... And I cried. And Masato cried. <laughs> you cried. And Meg laughed. She's such a trooper. <laughs> 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 um, then, it, oh, I'm sure it'll get brighter and happier from here on in. What's the next episode? Oh, don't be, or at least be human. Ariel. Uh, yeah, the uh, the angel that basically just floats out in space. You can't quite reach it. Yeah, and it notices AV Unit Two, who's just she's really uh, Asuka is really fucking having a bad time of it. Um, she's having to deal with the trauma of being torn limb from limb in her yep. own mind and indeed she's been losing like the last two or three fights she's been having her ass handed to her and when your entire psyche is based on being the best yep. that's starting to really get to her there's also the added thing that they keep, they mention that um, she's going through um, her period at the time. And then I think someone, I think Ritzko says, doesn't matter, um, physical changes like that don't have any effect on yeah. um, synchronicity. But when you look into the fact of how Asuka views growing up, how Asuka views being a mother, yeah. the, the idea of reproduction and all that sort of stuff, like, I don't want to be a mother, why is this even happening to me? And you go, that would probably, that would fuck you up mentally and make you, you know, I mean, not, not even taking into account the idea of how much, you know, a period could fuck you up mentally and make you, yeah. you know. Mm. Really <laughs> and it, I mean, it says a lot else. for how Nerve views these kids. Yeah. That all of that, I mean, these kids are psych profiled, but Ritsuko is, and, and bearing in mind, one of the aspects of Ritsuko she put into the Meiji was herself as a mother. But oh, she yeah, simply mom, yeah. goes, Physical changes have no effect on synchronization. She is a scientist. She is a cold, ruthless scientist through and through. Um, and yeah, uh, so there's that. I mean, it's, it's really basically said that all of Asuka's interactions with other people are based on the fact that she had to grow up, grow up too quickly. And they're from, she learned everything she has from adults, which really, really puts this episode and how she sort of interacts with Kaji into a really horrible light. Hmm. You start questioning about stuff in her past. Um, and essentially, Ariel, its attack is to shine a light on its victim, and uh, the Hallelujah Chorus plays. Mm-hmm. From, is it Handel? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah, the yeah, Hallelujah yeah, Chorus. Is, yeah. And Asuka is, it basically, it shines a light into your mind and reflects it off of every aspect of yourself and brings it out to the front. So Asuka is basically forced to view everything about herself that she hates, that she knows, that she doesn't accept everything. And all the while, while she's screaming, no, this isn't me, the, there are words floating up on the screen like penetrate, reveal, uh, sully, dirty. And I, I swear at one point it does actually, it, it says the word rape just right there on the screen. And it is so uncomfortable because it's not like, you know, blood and guts and things flying everywhere. It is literally just a robot standing still whilst the pilot screams, but... It's an assault. Oh, really, fuck it. It is the most... It is the most intimate assault in the entire fucking thing, and it is just awful. And Asuka just completely... She goes off the rails. She, mm. she, she, yeah. she leaves the thing then. And to make matters worse, she's saved by Ray. Yeah. Who turns up and flings a spear, the Lance of Longinus, so hard that it breaks through you know, Earth orbit, 
kills Ariel and embeds itself in the friggin' moon. Yeah. Um, and we realise as well that Asuka's mother killed herself, but she was basically going to a point where she uh, didn't believe that her daughter was actually her daughter. She basically had this little doll that looked like, vaguely looked like Asuka. Yeah. She believed the doll was her daughter. And, she lost. and it was Asuka's doll as well. Yeah. So basically, she when she killed herself, she also hanged the doll. She wanted to die with her daughter. And Asuka, it said, you know, she wanted to die with her mother. She's, she's ambivalent towards it, but she does occasionally say, let me die with you, mama, in the flashbacks. And you realize that she was replaced by a doll, and you go, oh, fuck, all the problems she's had with Rey, and then in all this, she's then saved by Rey, and she just, that's the last you see of her, just in some bathtub in a building, just zoning out. And it's horrible, and that episode really fucking messes with you. Uh, yeah. It's going to get better, right? It's going to get happier. Ray 3. <laughs> Armisale. The Angel of the Womb. So, long story short, Ray dies. Ray is, is punctured by an angel and turns into tiny little heads and explodes. Longer story shorter, doesn't matter. Yeah. Then she turns up and she's okay. And Shinji's like, oh my god, you survived! And this Ray seems to break the mold of the other ones because she says to Shinji, no, I am the third. Mm-hmm. And you realise that, oh... And Ray is a clone. Much like the well, others are clones. We've, we've known this for a while, though, Yeah, at this point. It's been sort of hinted at in all this stuff, but, but then you see, like, the, 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 the Chamber of God. See the tube, yeah. Yeah, with all the thousands of Ray bodies without souls just giggling in a tube. And you're like, hmm, nope, nope, yeah. nope, nope. And they are the core of the dummy plug. There is a reason she was the backup. Because she's and, been backed up. Yeah. And then we get to my favourite character, my favourite pilot, Kaoru Nagisa, the fifth pilot. Yeah. Who just turns up to Nerve one day, humming Odes to Joy. Um, and basically, reala- everyone realises, yeah, he's like Ray. He's basically like a super amazing, efficient pilot. He's like, he's like Ray, but he smiles. Um, and he's a little bit more sociable, even though he's super fucking creepy in the way that he just sort of seems to know everything that's going on. Yep. Once again, knows someone with a glance. And weirdly, he says to Shinji, I love you. They, yeah. they have a bit of a thing, go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You don't really know how long Karu's there for, but he does say to Shinji, um, you are worthy of being loved. Yeah. And I love you. Yeah, and yeah, him and Shinji. I think it's all yeah. like word of God. They do share a they do intimate moment. They do. We won't go too much into that, but yeah. Um, and then it's revealed that Karu is an angel. Uh oh. And is attacking Nerve by controlling AV Unit Two. Shinji has to go and fight AV Unit Two, but he's doing it with the pleas and a thank you because he's actually a really nice guy. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's proper chill. <laughs> and then you realise that um, the AT field, Karu explains because he's the, he's like the, the angel that takes on a human form, mm. so he's able to communicate what he wants and who he is, and basically saying that um, he AT is field, the one who explains that the AT field is the border of your soul. It is yeah, that which no cannot be. Yeah. Um, and explains that humans also have AT fields, but it's what keeps them in one shape rather than flowing into one another. And you're like, oh, my mind is melting a little bit. Um, <laughs> they, and he's basically going, his plan, their, their, their plan is to go down into the core of the geofront, find Adam, fuse with Adam, and uh, 
and to create the third impact and destroy all of humanity, make the world for angels. So he gets down to the core. Start the world anew. Yep, gets down to the core, finds the giant marshmallow monster uh, uh, crucified and goes, oh, that's not Adam. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Lilith. And you go, hang on the fuck. Mm-hmm. And Karu has this sort of back and forth and realizes, you know what, no. Humans are probably better than angels. You guys deserve this more than we do. <laughs> Shinji gets him and he says, all right, Shinji, if you don't kill, like, I am the last, if you don't kill me, then I have to, I have to, yeah, we win. I have to end this world. If you hold back, I'll never forgive you. Yeah. And yeah, you've got to do it. So there's this huge, long, drawn out thing with Ode to Joy playing of Ava Unit 1 holding Karu in its hand. Tiny, you see his head poking out the top of the the, the fist. Yeah. And it's like, okay, Shinji, here is the one person in your entire, like, conscious life who has ever told you, you are worthy of being loved. You deserve to be loved. You are loved. You deserve better. You, yeah. But mm. he is also, by his own guarantee, the end of humanity. Yeah. So it's just, here, here he is, the one, the, one, the one being who's ever told you, you, need, you deserve to be loved. I love you. Kill him. Mm. <laughs> and you don't, you don't get to see Shinji fretting about it in the cockpit. You don't see Karu's face. It's just this one shot. Maybe one, one long shot. Holding him. It's holding him afraid just... And then, after what feels like an eternity, cut to black, and Karu's head falling into the, into the sea of LCL. Yeah. And Shinji saves the day. Yeah. And thus begins instrumentality. Does the world end? Does Shinji accept himself? Do we all? We don't have time to talk about it. But I think it's, it is definitely worth speaking about at some point, which is what you're planning on doing, is it not? Well, I kind of want to do an episode-by-episode podcast of Ava. Hmm. Um, if anyone wants to join oh, me. I'd be well do that. Yeah, just we're basically, we will watch an episode, like a book club, thing. we'll just watch an episode and then talk about it for like a two-hour episode or whatever it is for each episode. Yeah, I'm game. Honey, cool. would you be up for that? Like a, a, a separate volume. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about this because um, I was thinking about Mad Max the other day uh, about how we lost our Fury Road episode. Mm. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we did a commentary episode? Ooh. That could be pretty fun. So we all just sync up with Mad Max Fury Road. Um, obviously, we've all seen it, so we'll have to mute it. Track. But yeah, yeah, we will just do our own commentary track, and that'll be like our replacement Fury Road episode. So we can start doing things like that as like one offs and things. Yeah, no, I'm game. Uh, listeners, what do you think? Please you like write this? in let us know. Please, please talk to us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, <laughs> at W1S1. You can find us on Facebook, just look for World 1 Stage 1. You can write to us, mail at world1stage1.com. Uh, talk to us, tell us what you think. This sounds like the kind of thing I would love to do. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, yeah. Would you yeah, like to listen to it? Yeah. And also, would, you like to, would you like to listen to the Evangelion Book Club? <laughs> You have to think of a cool name for it. Yeah, but spoiler, even if you don't want to listen to it, I'm still going to fucking make it. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm up for that. Do you want want to hear us talk about the ending? Or do you want to see it about yourself? We won't talk about the ending on this episode. Irish. Gets it on our new comfy, comfy sofas. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, one last thing before we sign off. Um, It's been a staple 
it has been a giant robot show, but this is more of a plug for, I'm guessing, next episode, whenever we do it. 2016. Um, it, oh, really? Well, this episode's going to air, what? Oh my god, don't tell me this episode's going to air 31st. Is this our Christmas episode? No, this well, episode Merry Christmas, I listeners. Like, that's I why I dropped in the Christmas miracle joke December right at the beginning. Sorry? That's why I dropped in the Christmas miracle joke right at the beginning. Did you guys not oh. know that? Shit! No. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Oh, this is the problem with recording things like Merry Christmas, everyone. Can we, can we record a Christmas message after this episode to put at the beginning? Yeah, all right. Oh, I will say, I finished, me and Jack finished our Christmas shopping today, so... So it is now officially Christmas. Yeah. All right. By the time this airs, we'll yeah. have our new subject matter. Yes, yeah, so I'm hoping this episode airs on 31st of December 2015, because that would be perfect. <laughs> that is a nice kind of surface-scratching of Neon Genesis oh, Evangelion. So and if you want to hear more, especially if you want to hear us talk about the ending, there's, there's a show for that. You've got to work for it. But until then, you have been listening to World 1 Stage 1. I have been Simon. I have been emotionally compromised. I have been Irish. Uh, I've been um, distraught, um, but also compelled. Oh, I'm glad. It's really sad. And I'm going to go train Evie to be a giant robot pilot. Have you learned nothing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Merry God. Christmas! Merry Christmas, guys.